Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since. Hello, and welcome to episode 112 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking my pick, John's pick, which is uh, Straight Time from 1978, directed by Ulu Grossbard. Grossbard? Am I saying that right? Probably. Yeah, because right. didn't you make the joke, Kevin Grossbard, the uh, something told yeah. for thee? <laughs> yeah, listen to the bell, Grossbard. It tolls for thee. Right. Ulu Grossbard from 1978, um, starring Dustin Hoffman and Gary Busey and Harry Dean and... You know, other people. Ter- Teresa Russell. Teresa, sure. Teresa Russell. Kath- Kathy Bates. Jake Busey. Eddie Jake Bunker. Busey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Klompas hey. from Seinfeld is in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even more. I saw uh, the name Sandy Barron and I was like, why does that guy look familiar? Oh. <laughs> I actually so recognized like even him more and then Seinfeld. had to look it up. Yeah. I had to look yeah. it up and make sure it was him. I was like, oh, it's Jack Klompas. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it drove itself into the wire. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're also going to talk about other things we watched, including uh, uh, Cry Macho. Well, at least I'm going to talk about Cry Macho. JR almost finished it, and uh, I'm sure Kevin's not going to waste his time with it. And, uh, yeah, tra- some trailers and whatnot. How's, how's it going? It's been, uh, what, three? has it been three weeks since we recorded last? Three yeah. weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. We recorded almost a month. Your lives must have changed drastically in those three weeks. What happened? Let's see. Oh, well, uh, wait a minute. Well, we, we recorded right before the hurricane. Oh, is that right? That, okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> not, that knocked out power down here for the majority of the town for like a week. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was an experience. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, lots of cock. Um... I did not enjoy not having power. And then to, to rub it in, like when my power finally came back on, I came home. I was at my mom's house, and their power was out too, but they have a generator. Mm. And then I came back home, and our power came back on, and then we didn't have internet for two days. And it's right. like, when you have internet, you might as well not have power. Like, there's nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. I mean, it is brutal. I had to watch a, a 4K Blu-ray. You know, <laughs> had to. I had watch to. A 4K I wouldn't have Blu-ray. watched it otherwise. It was forced. I threw in Casino and watched rewatched Casino on 4K. <laughs> and uh, yeah, something I would not have thought to do otherwise. I would have definitely streamed something probably that I hadn't seen mm. before. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, finally the internet came back on. It's been running great. Everything's going great. The the Ida is a distant memory for me, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wait. I'm ready for the next one. Ready for the next week off of school. You know. <laughs> oh, it was only it was only a week. Yeah, they gave us the surprise. There, it was only supposed to be a day, and then everybody's power went out, and they ended up like pushing it back every day. They would email us again and say, "We're also going to be off tomorrow. We're also going to be off tomorrow." And then finally, it was just yeah. like we're off until. And then Labor Day was the following Monday, so it was like we're off until mm. the following Tuesday. So, yeah. But you know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, we might have another uh, winter storm uh, this 
this coming winter and you know be closed for that a global week. warming man is really it's kicking our ass but it's also doing a lot for my uh you know my off time i'm loving it yeah <laughs> well i was gonna bitch about something else but i was like oh i didn't deal with the hurricane so that's it's okay to bitch what what do you got yeah yeah oh no i just uh i feel like garbage this morning i've had a oh. a oh. long weekend and not like uh i feel like i'm hungover but i didn't drink last night just oh you had like a ray Milland long weekend <laughs> no, lost weekend I, sorry no sorry i uh i don't eat sugar anymore and uh for for a scheduled social event i uh or two events i was like let's ki- let's kill the diet we'll have we'll have chicken tenders we'll have some some desserts that's a bad idea so i think my my body is like yeah. processing sugar for the first time in nine weeks and it's uh it's going poorly for uh, my body yeah that's no good you can't uh shock your system that way Mm. No, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die on this podcast. Hey, you know what? It would do a lot for our ratings. I'm sure we go viral. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dieting man dies on rec- recording from yeah. having sugar <laughs> from, <laughs> from eating a chicken nugget the night before. Yeah. <laughs> what sugar did you have? Just the chicken tender breading? No, I no. mean, what? Just like, I mean. Multiple chicken tenders, a crawfish pie, a burger. I mean, this is this is over the past two days. Not it's lots just of carbs, time. more or less. I had a piece of pizza. Yeah, oh, yeah. But you didn't have like a piece of pie or anything. Uh, yeah, I did. I had oh, a piece of cake. Yeah, you're fucked, bro. You're oh well. <laughs> I'm all that other stuff would have been fine, but then you throw in the cake, and well, you're fucked. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Oh well, it's, it's bad. I'm just, I'm like sweating like crazy. My oh head my hurts. God, dude. Be... Jeez. <laughs> you take some uh, Tylenol. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of Tylenol. Lots of Tylenol. Mm. Lots of water. And then today, just starve myself. Get back into that. Uh, get back into that k- ketosis. No more sugar again, ever. <laughs> no more desserts. <laughs> it's a sad life. Okay, mm. uh, let's talk about trailers. So there's two big trailers that dropped since we last recorded. The first one is The Matrix Resur- Resurrections, directed by Lana Wachowski, mm-hmm. right? Is that right? Is she the one, or is it uh, the other? I'm quite certain oh. it's Lana. It's Lana. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sounds fair. Because like, Lana's like the only one who's involved, right? Yeah. The uh, what's yeah. I forget what the, her, her sister's name is, actually. Um, Lily? Lily. Yeah, Lily is doing mm. other things. I read mm. an interview with Lana where she explained why Lily's not involved. But anyways, The Matrix Resurrections, uh, the fourth in the Matrix saga, I guess. Not a... Uh, not being touted anyway as any sort of a reboot, really. I don't think it's just a continuation of the story. Although I have heard that, like they say, based on its its um, synopsis on IMDb, anyways, it had it was essentially like it's following the fir- the events of the first film directly, and like they're kind of like erasing the second and third film from the canon. I choose I choose mm. to not believe that. I really hope that's not true. Do you? No, I mean. Uh, not that I even remember those first two movies. It's just like that's like a lame, it's like a lame thing to do. I don't know. It seems pretty common though, you know, the Halloween yeah, thing yeah, doing it. That's what we do. Yeah, Matrix. Let's do exactly what the Halloween franchise did. <laughs> well, it's a it that's seems a good model. Well, I mean, Halloween's very successful. You know, they want to be successful. They know yeah. the second and third film are not favorites of the fans. Yeah. 
Um, it actually, yeah, it says, guess, now it's it saying the plot like is unknown. I think they might have removed that synopsis now. Because now mm. it's saying the plot is currently unknown. Well, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's hmm. endless conjecture about, like, you know, uh, the one that I've seen the most is, like, somebody in the Matrix 4 is watching the Matrix, the first movie. <laughs> and, like, I mean, Very just from meta. the trailer... Just from the trailer alone, like it, it seems like Keanu apparently had this fantasy of like being in the Matrix and being Neo and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm okay with all that. I mean, if that was the case, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. It could. <laughs> I don't really care. I honestly don't really give a fuck where they go with the story. I think the story is kind of past the first film. I think the story is kind of uh, convoluted and ridiculous. But I think that. Uh, yeah. You know the action it was great in the first film, and I mean the action's great in all of the films really. And I, I I'm anxious to see more of that kind of action, especially what they do and how they change it in 2021, how it's sort of progressed. You know, mm. it's been a long time. Did, um, did you yeah. guys see who co-wrote co-wrote this bitch? Yeah, David Mitchell. Yeah. The, yeah, uh, I was gonna ask. Like, have you, either of you guys read novels? any David Mitchell? No. Oh yeah, no. I've, read, I've read a lot of David Mitchell mm. and. You know, and I'm a I'm a Cloud Atlas fan of the and, film. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I haven't seen get, it. Get ready for some souls, some identity issues, some duality, um, mm. some reincarnation. We're gonna have all kinds of stuff. Well, I'm. Uh, you know, I I remember when uh, Cloud Atlas came out. I read a lot about David Mitchell, and uh, about his other novels and things, and I w- I was interested. In uh, mm. in reading some of his stuff, I just never got around to it. Yeah, I love Cloud Atlas. is great. Uh, the Bone Clocks is is awesome. Uh, he's several of his books are very much worth your time. Cool. Jr. gave Cloud Atlas a four out of five, so mm. he likes it a little bit. Not a lot. Not yeah. a lot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For Jr., I mean, you know, it takes a lot yeah. to get up to that to that five star mark. You know, mm. it's not a it's not a five star movie. I know, I know, yeah. it's not right. Well, you know, he's not he's not like Jonathan, like masterpiece, one hundred percent masterpiece, absolute classic, three out of five. Right? Is it? <laughs> uh, I mean, no, well, never mind. I'm not gonna go there. It doesn't matter. Uh, all right, so yeah, the Matrix Resurrection. I think it looks. You know, I'm I'm uh, enticed by the mystery. I like Keanu. I'm not mm. one of these, uh, you know, millennial or uh, not even millennial, like Gen Z people who like Keanu in some kind of ironic way because he's John Wick. I think he's a, a good actor, and I think he doesn't get enough credit. And uh, I, I would yeah. love, I want to see this, and I'm interested to see Carrie Ann Moss back. I haven't seen her mm. in anything in a long time. Yeah, and uh, I like the look of the female in the film, the one with the blue hair, who's mm. like leaping over cop cars and stuff. That looked really cool yeah. to me. Mm. A lot of the action stuff I thought looked cool. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm down 100%. I know uh, Kevin's not down. He's He thinks it's going to be a pile of shit. Well, after watching the last... After watching the last two Matrix movies again, and also, like, uh, the Wachowskis and uh, J. Michael Straczynski, I'm probably mispronouncing yeah. that, uh, they did a series on Netflix called Sense8, which... Yeah, I thought was trash. Oh, um, I heard good things about Sensei. <laughs> I've started that I, series twice and not been yeah. able to continue. Not not because I thought it was bad. I 
thought it was really interesting. It just keep kept getting lost in the uh, in time commitments. So trash, bummer. Yeah, That's I mean, well, bad. I think it's trash. I mean, like other other people might get a lot more out of it. Like, I just thought like the uh, for me like the characterization like. It takes place like all over the world and there's a bunch and you know a bunch of different people in different cultures and the setup of the show is that like groups of eight will have these psychic connections and they can like influence uh people in the group like they can you know like somebody's an action star so somebody's in trouble in africa this mexican action star can like help them out in getting you know, getting out of a sticky situation. But, like, where it really started to be bad was, like, every, literally every single episode ends in a cliffhanger, and it's a Netflix show, so it's like, you know, like, you're binging the show, so why are you ending every show with a cliffhanger? And for all of the, for all of the diversity that is in the show... It's always like 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 every every character is essentially boiled down to their stereotypes. Like the Mexican action star is gay but he's in the closet and uh the trans person like their parents have disowned them and constantly misgender them. The guy who lives in Africa is in poverty. Uh <laughs> You know the the cop in Chicago. He's the one good cop, <laughs> and and it's just like okay, like like I understand that you know with uh, representation, you also need to show the struggles of the people you're representing, but it doesn't need to be the end all be all of their characters, like. You know, yeah, because like if they're, you, they're not if you only the char- they're characters. They're not their problems. You know, yeah. mm. if you only have the stereotypical problems, then it's it yeah, it's just lazy. Leaning, yeah, exactly. Leaning on what might feel familiar. Yes, the um, Resurrections well, also co-stars Christina Ricci. Oh, so you know, was she in the trailer? No, and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is back as Niobe, which I'm not a not excited about it at all which means I mean, they can't they whatever. can't be just following the first film because she's only in the second two right yeah and uh, I mean, also uh the only other person from the originals is coming back is the guy who plays merovingian i don't know if you guys remember he's like a french guy oh who has information 100% do not remember yeah he's he's uh he's married to um <clears throat> in the film he's married to uh monica bellucci mm. in the, and in monica bellucci is not coming back no i know right <laughs> Yeah, she's got better things to do, I'm sure. What a huge bummer. <laughs> but they do have Priyanka Chopra. Oh. Who is, you know, really good looking, so maybe a facsimile. Yeah, she was uh Monica she was movie. the villain in the in the Baywatch movie with The Rock and mm. Zach Efron. That's her number one movie on uh, Letterbox, so <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. The well uh the other trailer uh that dropped more recently was uh Guillermo del Toro's is this follow up to Shape of Water? Has he done something to Shape yeah. of Water? Yeah. So it's called it's Nightmare first, first Alley. Thing. It's a mm. remake, right? Of a yeah. classic uh is it like a B movie or something or Yeah, I mean mm. I've never noir, seen it. noir B movie deal. And it stars Bradley Cooper and every other actor who's working right now. Uh yeah. Willem Dafoe and 
you know, all your classic horror staples, uh, Tony Collette, fucking, mm. is Kate Blanchett in it? Uh, there's lots yeah. of people in it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what do you guys think of Nightmare Alley? And this is also important to say, I think that uh, this is part of um, Bradley Cooper's sort of, I wouldn't call it a comeback because the last time he was in a film physically, he was nominated for Oscars and stuff, but he hasn't made it. He hasn't done anything since um, The Star is Born, and now he's back in this mm. movie and in Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. Right. I imagine for him, like, he's a, like, you know, I think, um, like, he probably needed a break because, you mm-hmm. know, like, he had been clearly going hard for a long time with, sure. you know, you know, you, like you name a movie and he's probably in it. Well, and he's directing, um, writing and directing uh, <clears throat> Star is Born. So that's like taking a lot yeah. of him probably. Yeah, for sure. So it's like with uh, like Timothy Chalamet is in like every movie that, you know, is coming out in like <laughs> next month. He'll get burned uh, out. <laughs> yeah, eventually he's going to need a break too. So um, I like uh, I like Willem Dafoe's uh Sort is carnival barker thing mm-hmm. that's going through the trailer, and I like. Um, I mean, Defoe is like easily the most dependable. Yeah, like, like this this movie could be a hundred percent trash, but he'll be good in it. So, For sure, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, I'd say it looks interesting. Um, the only thing I'm not really crazy about is just more of an aesthetic thing. It's like, okay. Obviously, this takes place in like the 30s, so you have, but it seems like everything that takes place in the 30s, like, no, we have to go full on with the art deco. Like, like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's definitely an aesthetic that, uh, that the shape of water had, even, you know, that Mm. was a fantastical, you know, version of whatever. But like, I know there was a lot of, of visual similarities I noticed between, shape of water and we get in this trailer even like you know an establishing shot focusing on a theater uh you know del toro's got to get his his love of cinema in there yeah and uh you know like these these super saturated like greens and blues uh mixed with fire just it i don't i am not excited about the aesthetic for some reason like at this point it feels like um like a darker r-rated tim burton um, and there, there's just you know, I, like I th- this and the Dumbo trailer are not worlds apart. Uh, <laughs> I I don't agree that this feels like Tim Burton. It feels like Tim Burton from 30 years ago. I mean, mm. Burton is uh, this feels like what it is. Like Gilmore Guillermo del Toro is probably one of like Burton's disciples. You know, like he probably looks up to to him, who the director he used to be. And this yeah. is what Burton should be doing now is stuff like this, but mm. instead he's gotten like in the in the Disney machine, and he's uh, they've you know they've stripped him of his uh, his style and his mm. and any, anything interesting that he was able to do. And Guillermo del Toro seems like the new sort of he's he, he's taken on that mantle, and he is that he is that director now. Mm. Yeah, this and kind of aesthetic. It's, it's like weird. It's weird that he won Best Picture. It's weird that he won yeah. Best Picture and Best Director for a movie about fish fucking. Like that movie, <laughs> like I know. I'm kidding. Uh, that that movie in my head is like it's like a very mainstream feeling movie, but it's also a deeply weird movie. 
Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's not like I think, it's not like I think he's gone like full commercial or something. I, I mm. don't. Um, and this is a, like Nightmare Alley is, is really good. Like, uh, the, the original Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Love, love triangle kind of deal. I think it's incredible. Um, so, you know, there's definitely stuff in the story that could make this, uh, make this work. Every time I hear Nightmare Alley spoken, I think of, um, Frasier when he does Nightmare <laughs> in the radio play. No? You're fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> JR, JR, JR. You never know. I'm going to, I'm going to step in and I'm going to defend John right now because Frasier is 100% worth your time. It's amazing. Like I'm not saying it's I not. I watch it every day. <laughs> I mean, I re- I really do think like you would totally get into the farcical nature of the stories and the episodes, mm. and like, I mean, Niles's one-liners alone are just you know I, everyone out of is out of control. I like having control of my brain. <laughs> I I like that not everything I consume. Is filtered through a a Fraser experience. That's not. That's not the way it is. <laughs> it's just like JR, anything else. You you hear as, things as, and it <laughs> triggers ideas in your head or thoughts or memories or whatever. You know. I'm kidding. I mean, they probably got Nightmare in from Nightmare Alley. They probably you know it's probably some type of a, a veiled reference. Honestly, mm. knowing Fraser's writers, like they're very savvy. They know a lot of shit. Mm. Anyway, let's move on. Um to what we watched oh real Uh-oh. quick before we get into <laughs> yeah. films uh i have been watching reservation dogs on hulu uh-huh, uh-huh. and i really enjoy it uh, it might not necessarily be your guys's cup of tea but i would definitely recommend it especially this last episode had uh bill burr and he oh. is fucking phenomenal like he is like so him. good I definitely i want to see it yeah, it looks great. I uh, this is not something that I was planning on watching, but based on your recommendation, I might. Mm. Uh, I I wanted to watch um, what you call it, the other show that's on Hulu. Why the Last Man? Yes, I wanted to mm. watch that, but I also haven't got around to that either. Yeah, that's uh, that's like an all timer comic series for me, so. I'll... Mm. I'll watch it at some point. I have all of the issues of the comic downloaded on my iPad for about seven years now. I haven't looked at one <laughs> of them. <laughs> I haven't meaning to though. Um, anyway, good. yeah, good. I, I, you know, I, I definitely want to read it. Uh, so, who wants to begin talking movies that we watched? I'll uh, I'll begin. I've got a, a bunch, and um, I'll just do. I'll do little snippets of everything. Cool. I watched. Um, I'll start with Shang Chi, because you know, Marvel, new Marvel movie. Mm, Marvel movie. You got out, to. Co-starring Tony Leung. Leung. Um, <laughs> and and Kevin. All I can say is Tony brings it. Right. As expected. Tony. Tony brings it. He's he's good. Um, <laughs> even, you know, even if this like falls into some Marvel traps with. Um, you know, murky, muddy motivations and decision making from the villain. Um, he is a great presence, and uh, Shang Chi is really fun. 
and it is much more fantastical than most Marvel movies, and mm. the sense of humor in it is not nearly as snarky. We get, like, for the first time, we get... John, John? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, turn, I've seen parts turn your screen too, off. So. Turn your screen off. I'm going to go get some water. I'll be right back. No, like... Uh, Shang-Chi is like the first new Marvel character that isn't just like a riff on Iron Man. Like, mm, you know, nice. it's not just like the the asshole who does the right thing uh, with, with you know, a snarky sense of humor. Like Doctor Strange, like Captain Marvel, like like most of them. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, Shang-Chi gets to feel like his own person. And, uh, you know, it ends up feeling like a Marvel movie, even though there are like literal dragons in it but mm. um but still still a lot of fun cool yeah i uh i don't i probably won't get around to seeing it in the theater but i will see it eventually yeah i mean i i feel like things are coming to disney plus pretty quickly cool um hopefully they don't, don't do that premiere access plus. shit since oh, it no, actually no. went to theaters if it goes to theater first they're not doing cool the premiere access thing that's that's a day and date Day and date only, multiple platforms. Cool. But, um, and I think like, you know, Cruella came out in May, I think at the beginning of September. That was no longer behind that Premier Access wall. Not that mm. any of us are watching Cruella, I don't think. Probably not. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be there soon. All right. I'm done. That's it. That's my only movie. I lied. <laughs> um,. Sorry about that, Jr. I, <laughs> you, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You know, I'm so. Uh, I'm just. I'm just so. I can't. I can't do it. We know you only like DC movies and their gray palettes. We understand. Now here's the here's the real question. Okay, I was talking to my buddy. Uh, well, actually, Jr. You know this guy, Dayton. I was talking to Dayton on Friday about Dune. Dune is out in Europe right now. Mm. Dune is on the internet. I know. There are HD cams of Dune. <laughs> I, I will not be watching Dune. <sighs> I don't know. I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing an HD cam of, of this movie. Oh, it's, it's high def, Dune? though. It's HD. <laughs> <laughs> Dune might be the only... Dune's like the only Warner Brothers movie where I'm like legitimately thinking, I will go see this in a theater. And I don't even know why. Because Denny like Villeneuve is begging knows. you. Denny Villeneuve is like, go see it on a big screen, please. Yeah. Oh, is he? Is yeah. he being? I mean, yeah. he also wants money to Fucking make a baby. second one. Yeah. He says, well, he said in an interview that unless it tanks hard, that they're going to definitely green light the second one. But I don't know how he knows that necessarily. I mean, they can do whatever they want. I'm really interested where the story cuts off. Because, like, apparently, like, like. It's only, it's only half. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> apparently after he meets uh, Chani. They say, like right after he meets Johnny in the desert, he cuts off. But they That's, do show him. Zendaya, they right? show him Zendaya. fight. Yeah, it's Zendaya. They show him fighting uh, the this the uh, Fremen in the trailer. Mm. Right. I think that's what they're showing anyway. So I guess they're going to get through that fight at least. Maybe that'll be like the ultimate sort of the uh, climax of the film. I don't know. But um, I, I also want to see it in the theater, but only because mm. we have the Dolby Cinema here, mm. which is like massive, you know. And the sound's gonna yeah. be good, but I. But honestly, I was telling uh, Jonathan Russell last night. I was like, I might go. I might watch it like 
on the Friday that it opens on HBO Max before mm. I go to the theater, you know, and just watch it again in the theater. Cause I just, I, cause I don't know. I just, uh, really want to see it. And I don't know if I, the first time I watch it, I want to be surrounded by a bunch of fucking mouth breathers, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, That's yeah. true. I, you've, you've brought up your negative theater experiences there a bunch, but, and that makes sense. <laughs> um, but I'm, I guess I'm just surprised that you're like, already like down to commit two viewings to this two and a half hour uh, oh yeah that's not a big deal to me i mean first half of a miniseries it's like the first time i watched the revenant i watched a a downloaded copy it wasn't a cam but it was like not a great quality rip and uh it didn't come out for like another month and i you know watched that four or five times oh my god yeah, I love right. the that is a long movie. Yeah, yeah, that's longer than this. So, mm. anyway, um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll go next if uh, if Kevin's okay with it. I yeah. uh, I watched uh, the Gray Fox, which is directed by Wait for It, Philip Boros Borsos Borsos, uh, who is not a director of much repute. He did Far From Home, and. Um, I don't even know some other TV movies, some one magic Christmas, <laughs> but apparently he was a, he was like a protege of uh, Coppola back in the early eighties. And mm. I guess he kind of parlayed that into directing this Western set in 1901 starring Richard Farnsworth as a, the, an, an aging um, bandit who used to, Rob stagecoaches. He's been in prison for like 30 years. He gets out of prison and it's sort of like a fish out of water. Like he doesn't know what to do with himself. Sort of like, um, what's that guy's name in, uh, Shawshank, the old man who hangs himself. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that guy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> except this, except, uh, uh, this guy, the gray Fox, whose real name is wait for it. Bill minor. He, um, doesn't hang himself. He just turns back to crime. He just starts rob- robbing trains and shit. And uh, it's just... What a, does this sound like? Yeah, it's very similar to Straight Time. And honestly, <laughs> I did not watch this thinking of Straight Time. I just had this... I had already rented this before I chose Straight Time as my next uh, deep dive. Because uh, it was 99 cents to rent on iTunes. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It's like it's very uh, similar in that way. But... Uh, Maybe a slightly more tragic ending than Straight Time has, but um, yeah, I really liked The Gray Fox a lot. I think it's shot really well. It's the direction's not amazing, but it's competent. And uh, Farnsworth is just absolutely charming, fantastic. Uh, there's like a love story, but it's so a lot of times love stories in westerns really like bog down what's going on in the rest of the film for me. Like I'm not a huge fan of that element usually, but this is actually, it works really well. And, uh, because he's a fugitive, you know, there's like that element of like the, like, you know, like, uh, Neil McCauley and heat De Niro's character, how he's in love with what's her face. And he's got to decide whether or not he's able to leave her. I think her name is judging Amy. Right, judging Amy. <laughs> She's also in Frasier, by the way. She plays Faye. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I would highly recommend The Gray Fox. I think it's a really terrific 
Western came out the same year as the Ballad of Gregorio Cortez, and I'd say it's right on that same level of nice. of goodness. Mm. They both have nice. the same star rating for me. So I don't. Uh, yeah, this is cool. I'm gonna watch this. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it just came out on Kino Lorber like not too long ago, maybe a year mm. or so ago, on Blue, and I had never heard of it before then. And uh, so yeah, it's definitely worth your time. Solid cool. stuff. Did you rent? Did you rent it through Kino? No, I rented or through it have... iTunes. Okay, a ninety-nine cent rental. Yeah. I don't have the Kino thing. Is that? I mean, is that worth it? Is that something you have to pay for monthly or? Oh, I don't. I don't either. Yeah, I, I have no. Huh. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I've never really looked into that. Uh, I know Jay talked about it on Film Junk. The Kino thing. He rented something off of it, but. Mm. And I know Arrow has one too. Arrow has like their own streaming service, but they don't release enough good stuff for. Mm. Me to think that's worth it. Well, just because you don't like garbage horror enough. Exactly, yeah. I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> or like Vinegar Syndrome, they constantly talk about that on that show. Like that, there's nothing on Vinegar Syndrome that interests me at all. I've never had or seen a Vinegar Syndrome release, like as in, like the physical. Yeah. Uh, mm. Copy. They apparently do very good work, but it's like the movies that they're doing are like. You know, C and D movies from the eighties, and <laughs> wow, like, I, I don't know, like why I don't, why would you want to subject yourself to that? I don't, I'm not one of these people who watches something because it's so bad that it's good, you know. Like I'm yeah. not into that. But um, each his own, I guess. Check out the Gray Fox, Kevin. So, I watched uh, Nocturnal Animals, oh. and. I uh, didn't really enjoy it. Oh, um, there were there were parts of it that I thought were really good. Like I like all of the stuff between uh, Gyllenhaal and uh, Michael Shannon is mm-hmm. great. It's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but then like the uh, like the stuff the stuff with Amy Adams and Army Hammer is like very much less interesting. Um, and gotta be honest, the, uh, opening sequence in the art gallery kind of threw me for a loop. Um, but, uh, and then, then the ending was just like, what? <laughs> Cause like, you know, uh, like we, we talk, uh, you know, we talk all the time about how, oh, 70 minutes, 80 minutes. Hell wow, yeah. Perfect. But the nocturnal animals is two hours, mm, and you, ha- you yeah you go through two hours, uh, you you go through two hours of this really uncomfortable story, that is very much up and down, and then you get to that ending, and it's like, I just wasted two hours for this. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a and, bummer. Yeah, and like you know it, so like the uh you know. The ending of the story within the story is very much like, okay, I get it, you know, not everybody gets justice. Woo, woo. Um, <laughs> it, it it felt it felt very like, like, it. What what do you even call it? Like not postmodernist. I don't think that's well. It might be postmodernist. Whatever. Uh, the the fact that like you know, uh, Gyllenhaal's the Gyllenhaal character doesn't uh doesn't get the happiest of endings um yeah that that felt really like 
all right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I know. feel like, wasn't there an element of it where, like, it's isn't it a little unclear on, as to whether or not any of that actually happened? Like, isn't he, like, writing a book about it? Yeah, it's a or book. A, yeah. It, it's a book, but, like, yeah, like, you're you're never, like... Like the the way Amy Adams is like reading the book, it's like okay, like maybe maybe this like happened to them, or maybe mm-hmm. a similar situation happened, and like the rest of it is Gyllenhaal's like take on on what happened. But like, yeah, the, nothing nothing is very clear as far as that goes, and then like. Um, you know, you get to the end, and she's just sitting in the restaurant by herself, like supposedly waiting for uh, Gyllenhaal's real life character to show up. Right. And then, like, apparently hours have gone by, and she's just been pounding scotch the entire time. Um, that was like his revenge on her, right? Was like leaving her there. I guess. That's what I recall. I, it's been I haven't seen it since the theater, and I didn't love it either. Um, yeah, I. But that's that's what I remember is like we were. I remember talking to Nicole about it after and mm. thinking like this is that was like his way of getting back at her. But it's kind of like a you know bit of a wet noodle ending. Yeah, for sure. Like like so much so much of the movie feels like. I mean, I haven't. This is the only Tom Ford movie I've seen, but like it feels so much like he's trying to be like postmodern and like trying not to give you the ending that you want by setting all these things up. And it's like, I, I, yeah, it it really is. It it just, the whole thing ends up being so lame by the end of it. And it's like, like, okay, I don't care enough to be disappointed. Um, I've seen enough movies like this where, you know, there's, you know, you want something to happen and it doesn't. So, you know, as the viewer, you're disappointed because justice hasn't been served and whatever. But like, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it look it. The look of the movie is good. Michael Shannon and <clears throat> Gyllenhaal's scenes together are really great, but it's just especially over two hours. It's just not good enough. If you had asked me to name other people in this movie besides Amy Adams, Gyllenhaal, Shannon, and Taylor Johnson, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like I don't remember at all Army Hammer or Andrea Riseborough or Michael Sheen being in this. This is oh, um, guys, if this had been released in like 2008, it would have been such a huge deal that Amy Adams and Isla Fisher are in the same movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are. Uh, they are similar looking. Yeah. Females. And- yeah, and different Ford talent definitely, levels. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Ford definitely plays off like the fact that they're you know both pretty redheads, but yeah. um, but yeah, and then the whole thing with uh, what's her face, uh, the mom, Laura Linney. Yeah, that whole thing with you know <laughs> like just the stereotypical like rich. Uh, <laughs> You know, don't marry, don't marry for love, marry for money. It's like, whatever. Like, like it's just so many like cliches, and it's so obviously trying to be, trying to be something, but it just doesn't get pulled off. 
Yeah, it's too bad. It's been a long time. I don't, I'm not anxious to rewatch it. So yeah. All right, Jr. Yeah, I saw a couple of um, of recent horror releases, um, including uh, Candyman, which disappointing is not the right word because I didn't have high expectations or anything. But um, like it, it does several things well, but still just kind of doesn't feel great. Like it's it's this is one of those ninety minute movies. Um, you see a horror movie at ninety minutes, and you're like, fuck yeah. But uh, it spends like 70 of those minutes like setting everything up. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, there's like 15 minutes of this movie left? When, when is it like going to really get going here? Mm. And it, it throws a ton at you at the end. But it's, and it's just like it's, it's, it happens like too fast. And um, they incorporate the original Candyman like story, uh, like the 1992 Candyman and Virginia Madsen's character like – She's she's not in this movie. She died in that '92 version, but spoiler. Like, sorry, uh, <laughs> spoiler for a thirty-year-old like, movie. <laughs> never seen it. Uh-huh. Like oh, the original, oh. like that that Candyman movie has become like lore amongst this uh, community. Yeah, uh, and it, it is lore that is like both. It's like told incorrectly, like it's warped, and the idea of how the story has worked is uh, really cool, mm. but. Um, the way that kind of like comes back at the end is just so lame and uh, ends up feeling quite predictable. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's like there are a few really like cool looking uh, kills from Candyman in this, but um, that's really all I could recommend it for. And it's, yeah, I, it's, it's, Man, it's like we want those 90 minutes, those 80 minute movies to be so good. Uh, mm. But, you know, if you misuse those 70 minutes and uh, waste them, then it sucks. Feels like a bummer. Um, a movie that did not waste its runtime, but that John for sure would fucking hate. Don't watch this. Uh, <laughs> is Malignant, the new James Wan movie? Yeah, I would never uh, watch a James Wan movie. Yeah. <laughs> This is uh, Malignant is is one hundred percent like an homage to early eighties Italian horror movies. Like not exactly Giallo, but um, but like this is a, a Lucio Fulci movie, like through and through, uh, with like down to to like the visual, like color palette, uh, the synth score, and like a twist that involves like some body horror stuff it's this is this is all stuff that i have seen before in lucio fulci movies and um i was down for it i guess i watched this in like the exact right mood because um, i was i was there for every over-the-top moment of ridiculous bloodletting in this movie it was fun nice i will uh, make sure to miss that one for the rest of my life yeah, yeah. I'd rather watch Lucio Fulci movies, which I yeah, have not we, we, seen many of. So you can do that too. You should do that. Mm. Yeah, I might. I probably won't do that either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I watched. Uh, I went to the theater and saw The Protege, which is Martin Campbell's newest film. Because I'm a Martin Campbell head. I just love this guy, and uh, <laughs> he's directed some of uh, some really good underrated action movies like Casino Royale, 
and the Mask of Zorro and Goldeneye and Edge of Darkness. Wait, we, we're calling and no Bond escape. movies underrated. I think uh, Casino Royale is thought of as a Bond movie and not of as uh, as like a great action film. And I think it's a great action film because of Martin Campbell. Mm. I think that Spectre is a piece of shit action film because Martin Campbell didn't direct it. You see, um, and uh, he did uh, No Escape, which is going. This is on my deep dive list and is coming, Jr. So mm. get ready. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not scared. I have, I have no th- no real thoughts on this man. You'll be terrified. No, no, it's good. Though. It's a Ray Liotta in a in a rare uh, starring vehicle where he's an action hero. So you never see that. We, I mean, I was going to say we had terminal velocity, but that was... Uh, terminal velocity? No, what was the... <laughs> oh, you uh, Turbulence? <laughs> Thank you. That's Sorry. not an action movie. That's a horror, right? Or like a thriller or whatever. Uh, I thought it was going to be an action movie. Oh, did you but really? Yeah, he was, yeah. What is terminal velocity? That's with Charlie Sheen. Oh, okay. It's about skydiving. Oh, came out the same yeah. year as Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes, also about skydiving. Love it. You gotta love it. All right. Um, no, I've seen both. No idea which one is which at this point. <laughs> except for the actors, I don't have any memory of them. Nice. They all run together, like those and uh, like the real McCoy with Val Kilmer and Kim Basinger. Is it Kim Basinger? Isn't that? I don't know. Mm. They're all. They're all. They all run together. Uh, the Protege is from 2021. Stars Maggie Q, Michael Keaton, and Samuel L. Jackson, and a uh, a really old and sort of. Uh, goofy-looking Robert Patrick as a biker who lives in Thailand for some reason. And um, this movie's not good. It's uh, extremely cliched and predictable, and Maggie Q is not great in it. She does not pull off the action stuff, I don't think. And her acting is not very good. But Keaton is wonderful to watch. I love Keaton. I love all of his sort of, he's really into her. Like he wants to date her, but he's also in charge of like capturing her and bringing her to uh, the guy he works for, which is her target. She's like an assassin. You know, you know what this movie is. Okay. Mm -hmm. She's an assassin. Samuel Jackson is her mentor. He gets killed. She has to go get revenge. Mm. It's just, it's really bland and predictable. It's yeah. (laughs) The hero's journey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what Joseph Campbell had in mind when he wrote mm. that book. Um, 100%. Martin Campbell's dad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, this movie is uh, not great. But the action, there's some decent action in it because, again, Martin Campbell is the maestro of action cinema. And uh, there's some solid uh, blood work in this, some good uh, squibs usage and, uh, you know, okay fight scenes. But overall, the story is just really boring and lame and uh it's a little too long it's a hundred it's an hour and 49 minutes so that's too long and uh i mean for this kind of movie you understand mm. what i'm saying an hour and 49 minutes is how long dune oh, should be just, this is um <laughs> this is just gonna this is gonna be our runtime episode every yeah, movie yeah we're gonna, every yeah, movie we'll yeah, talk about the runtime <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I can't recommend this exactly, but I would recommend diving into Campbell's filmography and checking out Edge of Darkness and No Escape yeah. and The Mask of Zorro. I mean, the guy's got chops. And uh, Green Lantern, not which that is a one. DC movie, I which means you probably like no, it. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I don't know. I never saw the second Zorro movie, in fact. It could be good. I don't know. And I, never, and yep. I, I, I didn't love The Foreigner. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great. 
But I did. Is that Jackie Chan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw The Foreigner strictly because Martin Campbell directed it. And uh, there are some great action scenes in it, like the, uh, the scene at the end when he fights the uh, the terrorists in their apartment. It's really good. JR has never seen The Foreigner? Are you kidding me, JR? No. Oh, you're, I'm not kidding. You're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Kevin either. Kevin hasn't seen it. Unbelievable. That, that's going on my deep dive list. <laughs> oh. I feel like you just said you didn't like it. I didn't love it, I said. I gave it a three and a half. I mean, it's a watchable, you know. It, it's uh, going at the bottom of my deep dive list, okay? Ah, okay. All right. No Escape is way above it. <laughs> how many How many Martin Campbell movies are on your deep dive list? Oh, just those two at this point. I mean, you've seen Edge of Darkness, right? That would be number one. Oh, you, God, good God, you guys haven't seen Edge of Darkness? <laughs> We've got to watch Edge of Darkness. I have, I've seen Vertical Limit. Oh, my God, you haven't seen Edge of Darkness? It's, Edge of Darkness is fucking great. <laughs> I've seen yeah, I've seen two Bond movies, mm-hmm. two Zora movies, Vertical mm-hmm. Limit and Green Lantern. Oh, that means I've That's seen it. more than you. I've well, seen we're not seven. Doing the thing right now. I know, but I wish we were <laughs> with him because I would win. Yeah. What have I seen? Uh, so I've seen Edge of Darkness and No Escape, and you haven't, and The Protege. And I haven't seen Green Lantern and that Zorro movie or Vertical. I might have seen Vertical Limit actually, but I'm not going to mark it because I don't remember. No way. Yeah. Like, there's no way you've not seen Vertical Limit. <laughs> there's no way I haven't seen it. Yeah. I feel like I might I have. Mean, I'm, there was no. another movie that came out in the early 90s called K2, and I get them confused. This They're both vertical about limit K2. is. Vertical limit's like the wages of fear. Oh, uh, really? Like they're mm. transporting nitroglycerin like up the mountain. No. Are you being serious? Yeah. Well, I got to see think, it now. Cause is, it ba- is it literally based on that book or that um, film? It's. um, I don't know. Probably, probably not. But it's uh, that's kind of it. Definitely cool. has that structure mm. of like the team of rescuers, and the the point is not the nitroglycerin, but there is a nitroglycerin explosion uh, because someone does have it in their backpack. Interesting. Yeah, you gave it a two though. You hate this movie. Well, it's really bad. Oh, <laughs> well then I'm not gonna watch so, it. Ben Mendelsohn is in it. Do you, do you see who's like stars in it? Yeah, Chris O'Donnell, an American Chris treasure. Chris O'Donnell's not, not doing good stuff. <laughs> Bill Paxton. Is fucking great. Yeah. And Scott Glenn. No, Scott yeah, no, Glenn is B movie. <laughs> he's terrible. Well, Stuart Wilson is good though. He's uh in some you stuff. See Scott Glenn. In? I saw Scott Glenn in something like the other day. Uh, uh, Hunt for Red October. Training day. Oh, Hunt, Hunt for Red October. Bingo! Yep. You guys nailed that it. That was a movie. Yep. All right. I didn't get around to watching that. I wish I had. Mm. Yeah, you lied. That's okay. Well, I didn't lie. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> time to watch it <laughs> anyway yeah. all right well uh yeah so that's the protege uh skip it you know watch mm. the blood scenes on youtube in a year right <laughs> don't worry about this one uh. kevin okay so uh i rewatched uh the good the bad and the ugly uh solid really good movie um let's see I hated the good and the bad the ugly when I watched it, but I was like sixteen, so I don't know. Oh yeah. If yeah. Uh, I mean, if my newfound Western love would translate, I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, 
spaghetti westerns. I know it's not a you typical like spaghetti a, western, but you didn't like Once Upon a Time in the West very much. I didn't love it. Yeah, I gave it a three. I was not a huge fan mm. of that one either. But isn't that one like, well, that's Leone also. Well, I was gonna say, isn't that one like three hours? But like, uh, mm-hmm. isn't good, to, good and bad only three hours? It's it's like two forty. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's excessive. But I mean. Yeah, parts of it are for sure excessive, but it's still really good. Like, um, I might, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch it at some point. I just, uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, carve out a day of my life to dedicate to it, right? And uh, also rewatched uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is oh, that's really weird that you watched that because I caught it on cable when I was at a person's house, and I didn't log it because I watched it on cable. You know, it was oh, like, okay. censored. But uh, yeah, it's really weird. And then you watched it. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part definitely like parts parts of the movie do not hold up for me. Um, and you know, kind of like just just right off the bat, like Ferris Bueller as a character is kind of like, you know, like he's kind of a dick. We got to be honest. Uh, makes him so cool, though, man. He's apparently, just so cool. yeah. Yeah, he's just so cool. And uh <laughs> I love that scene when he I mean honestly though that it kind of it, it's it, he's nuanced though you know like he's strangely yeah. nuanced for a character from an 80s like teen comedy yeah from you a, know like the fact that like that scene when he uh hits Cameron and Cameron's like you hit me and they're yelling at each other and he's like and he's sort of like you know, like he's he's mad, but he he knows he did something wrong. Mm. It's just yeah. a weird. Like that's a scene you wouldn't normally see in a movie like that, right? Yeah, like you know, like I I, I didn't hit you. I lightly right. slapped you. You you hit me. me. <laughs> yeah, and Alan Ruck is fucking great in it. Oh, like that's the that's best. the thing I took away from this watch. I was like, Alan Ruck should have won an Oscar. Like he's really fucking good. In absolutely, this movie. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and uh. <laughs> it was funny too like um well you ever notice that people say you know it's a funny thing and then they proceed to talk about something that's not funny at all um uh-huh. <laughs> so this is i think this is the first thing i've watched with jeffrey jones since uh his conviction oh really yeah i think it is or it might have been sleepy hollow i don't know um but yeah, so so Did you it have your Jeffrey hmm? view. Not really. I mean, he's he decent enough actor. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I all Ben Stein is also in this movie, and it got me wondering, like, huh? Haven't seen Ben Stein in a while. What's he up to? Turns out he is not a person that I would want to spend a lot of time with, uh, because of really? his uh, opinions. Oh, is he a conservative? <laughs> well, yeah, like he it's weird though. He's like in favor of upping the taxes on rich people, but like apparently he called Obama the most racist president in the history of the country. Uh he's he's anti-evolution. Uh-huh. Uh so he's like a nutsoid religious guy? Sort of. Yes. Yeah, it's um I mean, his assessment of Richard Nixon is something that I kind of agree with. I don't I wouldn't 
I wouldn't necessarily call Nixon a peacemaker, but I like you know, like I, I think Nixon was vilified in a certain way that is not not completely fair. I'm not here to defend a lot of what he did. It's just you know like. You're not here on the Film Yak podcast to defend Nixon's actions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, Stein is, you know, someone. He's a piece of shit. That's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. He'll be dead soon. He's pretty old. Yeah, that's right. What, uh, so, uh, I mean. But, uh, like, I, you know, the, the musical cues, I think, are, I think are really good. Um, yeah. Like,. <laughs> I don't know in what universe. Like, I get that they're teenagers that don't know much about vehicles, but, like, in what universe would you think that running a car in reverse would reverse the odometer? You know, it always it always struck me as, like, that. it seems like that's believable only because the car is old. I was like, yeah. maybe, like, an older car is that would work. I don't know. You know, I don't know anything about cars, but... Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's... it's uh, yeah, especially when it's Ferris is like, silly. "Oh well, we'll just have to crack it open and roll it back by hand." It's like, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like right there. Well, like, but uh, yeah, and um, oh hell, I'll just go ahead and talk about it. Um, so two people in Ferris Bueller are also in Red Dawn, and. Yeah. Like it's funny. Like Red Dawn has such a packed cast. Like, uh, anyway, um, so I used to watch Red Dawn a lot, and like, like, oh, this is this is awesome. You know, it's like the Outsiders, but with guns and like, fuck yeah, you know, uh, Wolverines. Yeah, wolf- <laughs> Wolverines. But then, like, watching it this time as an adult, it's like, wow. John Milius really wanted to be in the military. He really wanted to be in the military and couldn't. And like it it just comes like like just from the opening crawl. Like apparently like l- the world is like literally falling into chaos. Mhm. And then you have the Russian invasion of America with the help of Cuba apparently coming up through Mexico. It's just so ridiculous and alarmist, and it's like it so fetishizes the idea of you know like fighting for you know fighting for country and for family, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like you you just look at it and it's like obviously like some like libertarian fantasy of like you know. The Russians are coming, but we're going to show them. And, like, apparently, apparently Milius was, like, he objected to it becoming this, like, you know, jingoistic, flag-waving movie, but it still ends up being that. And... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and... uh, Even from from my memory of it now, I, uh... And they talk about it, he talks about it in in, uh, the documentary Milius, um, Mm. about... I need to see that. Yeah, it's it's really solid. He t- they talk about that film in particular being like uh, sort of like a right wing, 
touchstone, you know, like, yeah, for sure. And that's why it got bad reviews and stuff is because Hollywood is liberal and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I could, I, I can, I for sure can see that, but there's also like, there's a lot of inconsistencies and just plain bad writing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you, you probably remember there's the scene where like, uh, out of nowhere, this Russian soldier is like, has that box that's like tracing something. Mm-hmm. And then they finally figure out that it's uh what's his face, the mayor's son. And somehow off screen, he went into town by himself, let himself be captured and was made to swallow a tracer bug so that they could find the Wolverines. But like all of it happens out of nowhere. Like it all happens off screen and like there's um inconsistencies with uh powers booth his uh character like like there's there's literally a scene where it's like you know you don't know what it's like in the rest of america the night sky is being lit up by mountains of burned flesh and then like then like he sees see thomas howell like carving you know notches into his shotgun all that hate's gonna burn you up inside like <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you're just talking. You know. Like you know. <laughs> Look. <laughs> who who are the actors who are? It's the girl, right? Uh, what's her face is in this? Yeah, uh, Jennifer Grey and Leah Thompson. No, but I mean, who is the? Who are the actors from Ferris Bueller that are in this? Oh, Jennifer Grey oh, and Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer Grey. Oh, right. right I right. would love. I would love to get uh, Sheen's opinion on the movie, especially like this was eighty four and Platoon mm-hmm. was eighty six, so like he right. like like the cast got like the uh, military training um, for like a couple of weeks before they did Red Dawn, and I know he got like the same like boot camp thing for Platoon, so I would be interested in his like perspective on both. of I'm those sure movies. it was like drastically different for both of those though. Yeah, know? for sure. Uh, yeah, it was like Harry Dean's in this, and he has Mr. Eckert, and he has one of the cheesiest scenes. Oh, like, do you remember the scene where they're like, you know, they're like walking by, and there's like this re-education camp in the middle of town, and like, um, somebody like somebody that comes and like helps Harry Dean to come up and like tell Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze, like, you know, you know, you stay alive, you know, you stay alive. That's what's important. And, you know, don't cry. Don't you ever cry. Don't you ever cry. And, uh, (laughs) but then as, as the kids are walking off, avenge me, avenge me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's, I don't remember any of that. I, I, it's been, you know, a good I didn't twenty either, years since I've seen this movie. It just caught me so off guard. Like, at a certain point, I was just watching it for the laughs. I'm gonna have to uh, rewatch it and see if uh, see how far off you are on this. Okay, <laughs> I mean, tell me, tell me how we'll far see. off I am. We'll see. You know, chances are you're right, but you never know. <laughs> I do. Li- I mean, I just like I like all of other all the other John Milius movies that he's directed. I've liked a lot. Yeah, I mean, I I remember liking Dillinger quite a bit. Um, yeah. 
Conan's good. Conan's good. Um, I've I've been meaning to watch Big Wednesday for a long time. It's in my watch list, but I haven't mm. caught it. Same year as uh, same year as Straight Time and starring G- Gary Busey. So mm. might have to get that in me. Anyway, nice. Jr. Yeah, I'll do. Um, I got a few Criterion Challenge picks that I watched. I did. Um, Sorry, I did uh, my Kelly Reichardt top 10 pick, which was uh, Mouchette, and the um, watch, a Criterion release with a spine number between 100 and 200. Uh, that was Night and Fog, the Elaine uh, Resnass. So uh, another, another cheat. Okay, well, I've seen every Criterion seen release every between one. 100 and 200. What do you want me to do? All right. I haven't <laughs> seen Night and Fog in a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, these were both, both rewatches from, you know, probably hadn't seen either of these since early college and uh you know they're like they're incredible they're they're both (laughs) awesome movies i don't you know that have been written about by critics for you know half a century or more than half a century so you know nothing really to add there but uh they're good and then i watched uh shogun assassin for my uh samurai pick and i did not realize what shogun assassin was when i picked it it was just one of the samurai movies on Criterion Channel I had not yet seen, and um, turns out this is a like American Studio recut of the first two Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Oh, um, so they just like took out all the parts where you know like people talk and plot is established from uh, two you know short samurai movies, and uh, basically made like an eighty-minute. Uh, violence festival oh nice out of it i need to and check like, this like, thing out <laughs> i don't i don't remember the lone wolf cup movies that well but i'm pretty sure like things are you know like action scenes are like out of order and stuff like it, it's not attempting to tell the same story like at all it's not like a condensed version it is a totally new thing from footage that was released elsewhere um but it's really cool it's um i, don't know, I was happy i watched it and happy that I didn't remember too much about Lone Wolf and Cub. Nice, nice. I'm so far behind on my Criterion watches. I got to watch like ten of them. Oh yeah, I got I got eleven left. Oh my god, I'm so far away from that. I wish I had eleven left. Mm. I started watching uh, Teorama or Theorem, but I only got about four minutes into it, and then I was like, I gotta play No Man's Sky, and I turned it off and played No Man's Sky for about five hours. Okay. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been hooked on No Man's Sky recently. Uh, it's a science fiction uh, space exploration game. Cool. On PlayStation. Yeah. And I am just, I am grinding so hard on that game, mm. I'll tell you. Yeah, I've got, fuck, I've got a lot left. I've got like 20 left, almost 20. Yeah, I, I probably have more. But after next week, I'll have Odd Man Out watched. Yeah. So I really should try to watch every film because Odd Man Out's number 41 and I'm at number 34. I should watch every one in between there and then watch Odd Man Out for the show. Mm. That's probably what I'll do. And yeah, then I'll just have barrel through it. Then I'll only have like 10, 11 left, just like JR. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, I watched The Bravados, which is uh, directed by Henry King and stars Gregory Peck from 1958. Uh, this is on YouTube. A really good copy of it is on YouTube. And um, it's really good. It's a good Western about this man, Jim, 
played by Gregory Peck, who uh, arrives in town just as uh, this uh, this group of criminals are arrested and brought into town. And he wants to see them, and the sheriff is like, okay, and he shows him the criminals, and they he looks at them, and then uh, it's slowly, over the course of, uh, of the first half hour or so, it's revealed that Jim... Jim's wife was uh, raped and killed, and uh, he, he thinks that uh, these are the guys who did it. Mm. And they're meant to be executed, but this town's never had an execution before, so they have to send in, send out for like a hangman to come in and do the execution, and they build the gallows and stuff. And the hangman uh, is uh, not who he seems, and the convicts escape. And then oh. it's up to Gregory Peck to ride them down. Like mm. dogs, and uh, it's what makes it good. Or I mean, it's just it's good because Henry King is a good director, and Gregory mm. Peck is slowly becoming one of my favorite classic actors. Nice. And uh, <laughs> it's but what makes it uh, above average or uh, extraordinary in terms of of westerns of this time for me is the way that it ends uh, and the sort of. Um, undercutting of Gregory Peck's hero at the end is quite ballsy and phenomenal. Mm. And I don't want to give it away what happens, but uh, he has a scene with Henry Silva at the end. Who's one of the, one of the escaped convicts and Mm. it, some things are revealed and it's quite powerful. Nice. And uh, I, I, I would highly recommend it. It's uh, really terrific. And I, you know, Every bit as good as the the gunfighter for me. I really liked the gunfighter, obviously, mm. when I watched it. This might be even a little bit better, to be honest. But um, but yeah, it's really well, terrifically shot, like beautiful photography and uh, really great acting from Peck and Henry Silva. Lee Van Cleef's in it mm. for a little bit. He's got a really good scene. This guy Stephen Boyd is in it. He's really good. So yeah, just a really solid, you know, addition to my. Western watch list. <laughs> What's it called? Bravados. What's it called? The Bravados. Okay. Yeah, it's on. It's on YouTube, like I say, and um, well worth your time. Cool. It's, uh, it's only ninety eight minutes. So, is that Which another? Is the other. Oh, huh? go ahead. No, I was to say it's a, a great thing about westerns of the time is that they're never long. Yeah, yeah. I was about to ask if it was another uh, Bud. Last, no, it's last not a Bud movie, Bedeker. But you said it was Henry King. So. Yeah, it's Henry King. Uh, now, Bud Bedeker, all of the Westerns that I watched with him were with uh, Randolph Scott. Mm. And uh, they were all in, those were all on Criterion. Oh, okay. Um, he did make, I want to say he made one with uh, Gregory Peck, though, although I could be wrong. Mm. I've been, I, I have essentially like every gregory peck western in my watch list at this point oh okay (laughs) (laughs) because i I just like him in a western role i don't know yeah uh i don't know if he did actually but anyways um yeah it's really solid not as good as yellow sky yellow Mm. sky is still my top western of the year but um that i've seen this year but you know i love how jared just missed my entire conversation about this movie you're fucked bud (laughs) <laughs> I, I was telling I was telling Kevin that I watched the Bravados with uh, Gregory Peck, directed by Henry King, and this is uh, something you should get on top of, my guy. This one in Yellow Sky, check them out. It's a good Gregory yeah. Peck double bill. They're both great. 
I'll get on top. Do it. They're both nice. on YouTube. Great quality versions on YouTube. Now, cool. I should say that I pay for YouTube Premium or whatever it's called. Oh. So I don't have any ads. So you might want you might want to find them elsewhere if you don't want to look at ads, unless mm. you pay for YouTube Premium, which I do. It's, you have to. I don't. It's so I don't want to look at ads. <laughs> In fact, my Letterbox Pro expired mm-hmm. the other day. And I noticed that. <laughs> I did. I I went on. I saw yours. Didn't say pro anymore. And I was like, "What is he doing? It's like twenty dollars a year." <laughs> no, no, I, no. It's 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 like not not having been down here with my wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. No, I, I'm absolutely getting a Letterbox Pro again, uh, especially because the like the way that they do ads on Letterbox on on a like a desktop screen just drives me crazy. Oh wow, yeah, it's the I, worst. I know that. And I cuz it, it's it's this this like constant ad and it's, you know, it's a video ad and I'm using this really old computer um and it just like it slows my entire computer down. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. Brutal. Um, and you can like X out of the ad, but like 30 seconds later it comes back. Yeah. It's like you know what? Letterbox I don't want to give you $20 right now cuz I'm kind of mad, but Yeah. I'm absolutely going to give you $20 as soon as I get a wallet down here. It worked. They got you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, anyways, the Bravados is great. Check it out. And cool. Yellow Sky, like I say from last week. But um, Who directed the Bravados? Henry King. So another, uh, the Gunfighter re-team, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Anyways, um, I forget who goes after me. Kevin? Yep. <laughs> Good, Kevin. So, speaking of uh, Criterion and the Gunfighter, I watched the Gunfighter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, crazy and, sons of bitches. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't planned. It yeah, wasn't planned. it was not. Uh, but yeah, well, like, um, this, the, the other day I was going through my Criterion uh, challenge list, and I was like, okay, what is actually on the channel and what can I, uh, what do I need to grab like the DVD slash Blu-ray of to, you know, make this work? Cause now we're like, September's pretty much gone. So we've yeah. got, it's got, crunch like, time. Bud. It's, yeah, it is crunch time. Motherfuckers. That's right. You know, get to work. <laughs> yes, this I was is telling, I was, I was, when you were gone, JR, I was also saying that I've got like almost 20 films left, but I've only got one, two, seven, seven before odd man out. So if Odd Man Out is still your choice for next time, I'm going to try to watch all seven of these and then Odd Man Out, and then I'll only have 11 left. <laughs> so, you know. Cool. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed The Gunfighter. I thought it was really good. Um, uh, the guy who plays Matt, the sh- uh, Marshall, that guy fucking mm-hmm. rules. Yeah, he's amazing. He's so good. And, like, I, you know, I, I feel like... I feel like they might talk about the ending in, you know, like a lot of Westerns, but like this, I think this is the first one where it's like legit, like, like, no man, like you're, you're the guy who killed such and such. You've got to live with that for the rest of your natural life. Every guy with a gun in the, in the country is going to be gunning for you now. Like, you know, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live in fear for the rest of your life. And that was his name's Millard Millard Mitchell. Okay, yeah, that guy is that guy is Mil- real good. Millard, yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's, it's a good name. 
Yeah. Uh, and Carl Malden in a very early role here. Oh, Mal- really Malden's another one of those guys. Like He's like the greatest bit actor of all time, mm. you know? Like, I don't think yeah, I've ever wonderful. seen him in, like, a lead role, but, like, all of the bit parts he plays, he's great. Yeah, he's really good, man. I, yeah, I really like The Gunfighter a lot. I actually yeah. want to rewatch it. Um, I love this. I love the mustache. Yeah. Apparently, it was a huge... I don't know if you read the trivia. It's, like, a huge, uh, like, point of contention for the producers, the mustache. Really? Like, they didn't like it. Wow. <laughs> they didn't want him to have it. <laughs> I mean, it works. They think that the movie failed at the box office because he had a mustache. <laughs> sure. And that's, there are always those stories, you know, like, what, like Vertigo failed at the Oxbox, box, Oxbox, the box office because, uh, like, Jimmy Stewart looked too old in that movie. Right, yeah. Yeah. Supposedly. Like, well, come on, guys. It Bullshit. wasn't that it was a challenging film. It was because of the look of the lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People were just turned off from the yeah. get-go. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, JR? Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I've had a couple of Peter Bogdanovich films on my, uh, on my hard drive for a while. So I fired up mask, uh, in which, you know, Eric Stoltz plays this, uh, this teenager, this 14 year old with, uh, you know, some condition that basically like, uh, the plates in his face just like continue to grow. So he's got a very like, I guess disfigured, um, large head. Uh, so, you know, Eric Stoltz is just wearing a giant prosthetic face the entire time. And, um, you know, it's about him trying to just be like a normal kid. Um, he's really into baseball cards and he's trying to get along with his hard partying, but no nonsense mother share. And uh, Sam Elliott is the badass biker father figure that every kid wishes they had in the 80s. And uh, this is just disgustingly like saccharine and uh, <laughs> and generic. It's just a uh, it's like a family friendly version of Elephant Man, but <laughs> it's um, mm. it just hits all all of these like coming of age beats, uh, and it just feels gross. Not because of Eric Stoltz's face. I mean, like Eric Stoltz is not bad, but he, you know, he's like a precocious, annoying kid uh, dealing with bullying, and that gets tired. It just everything about it is is just like the most bland version that you could think of this being. Mm. It's like it's, I don't understand how Peter Bogdanovich made this unless he was just like, we got to make some money. Well, this is in the eighties, mm. so career might have been in a different place than it had been earlier yeah 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 i for, read that he had like for sure but a couple of successes in the early 70s but then like mid 70s like things went down like real hard so how's the makeup yeah. in this you know it's fine it won sure, the oscar. It, it earned it earned its oscar yeah you know but let's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to like recommend this for the makeup. It's it's <laughs> impressive, but like it, it's in service of something that I think is is quite bad. Uh, sure, sure. I don't know why, so, but yeah, I. Sorry, sorry. No, you go. Oh, I don't know why, but for some reason I thought uh, Christopherson was in this movie, 
but now uh, but now you're telling it's me it's Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliot, so like, yeah, I guess they look I was the wrong. same back then. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam Elliott looked the same back then as he does now. Right. Oh, I mean, you know, longer yeah. hair back then. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is uh, this is bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> the the '80s are are definitely a period from which I've seen very little by Donovich, and now I'm uh, now I'm nervous to to keep diving in. Would you say that the '80s are in general like a bad decade for cinema? I mean, I don't know. like compared to the kinds. decades that surround them. So I don't have like the love of '90s that you do. <laughs> I uh, mean, I don't. It's not a. I just think like. 90s are obviously like a zeitgeisty sort of, you know, like Tarantino and the and at the end of it, the yeah, Matrix yeah, and yeah. everything. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a big turning point in cinema, so it's like it's more important than You're the right. 80s, you know. And yeah. there's like there's the explosion of of independent indie cinema. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and the 70s has the new Hollywood and mm. just like the. I mean, it's hard to deny like just how how crazy of a shift it was from the uh from the mid 60s yeah but yeah so yeah maybe it seems like um there are probably books written about this that i haven't read Mm. but like uh you know all that new hollywood money like studios are spending money on these crazy things that were failing and they probably uh tightened tightened up uh who they were giving money to going they and like this is also like the the age of the blockbuster yeah There's probably a lot of stuff going on yeah i think like i mean i don't know that i would necessarily say the 80s was a bad time for cinema but it was certainly like the probably the most drastic drastically changing time because like yeah especially because of like star wars and heaven's gate like things changed dramatically money-wise so like mm. you know that's why like you know all of all of the guys, you know, like De Palma, Scorsese, um, Coppola, like all those guys, like were all of a sudden scrambling to like find any kind of funding for their films. So, you know, then you then but then you have other, I'm sure you have other good stuff that comes in in the eighties. I mean, there's great films in the eighties. I was just saying, like, yeah, it's just like not a it's not a decade where I'm like, wow, there's just so much sure. great cinema in the eighties. <laughs> like it's and you know. A lot of Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich only made three movies in this decade. Uh, they all laughed in 1981, which I think is very good. Uh, and then Mask, and then Illegally Yours, which I've never heard of in 1988. Mm. So I'm not nervous to dive into his 80s because there's only one more movie left. Yeah. I was thinking Nickelodeon was in the 80s, but that's 76. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well. Uh I watched, uh, I finished the renowned westerns on Criterion, the Bud Bedecker, Randolph Scott westerns, with Comanche Station, uh, which is tied with the Tall T for my favorite one. This one and the Tall T are the best ones, in my opinion, and it's because of the villains. Like, the villains are, Randolph Scott is not the draw in these movies. Like, he's not good. He's a bad actor, but... Obviously, he he was a certain level of movie star at the time. He had a certain level of cachet, and he, you know, starred in these movies and got them made. And uh, he's sort of just, like, there playing the exact same role over and over again. You know, the widower who is angry, but, 
you know, has to do the right thing. The classic kind of cowboy figure. But the villains in this movie and in the Tall T are slightly nuanced, more so than they seem to be in other westerns of the time, and that's what makes them interesting. And, uh, like in this one, for instance, he's trying to get this woman back to her husband because her husband has a reward for her uh, because she's been kidnapped by Indians. And he's joined by this guy that he knows, but he knows him from back when, like, he was a criminal or whatever, like they were robbing stagecoaches or something. And that guy, uh, with his gang, like, they're deciding, like, secretly they're going to kill Randolph Scott and kidnap her and bring her back and kill her also and bring her back dead because the reward is for dead or alive. The husband wants the woman back out of the hands of the Indians. And there's a lot of uh, just like interesting stuff in there. Like she, like her character's kind of like uh, more fleshed out than normal. Also, like she's having these like guilt trips running through her about like the fact that she was raped by these Indians, and she's like, "Will my husband even want me now? Like I'm damaged goods kind of thing." And um, I mean, obviously, I don't say any of that, but it's all heavily implied. And uh, it's just really interesting. I don't know. It's just a really like well, well paced well-acted, except for Randall Scott, uh, <laughs> movie. And Skip Homier, or Homier, Ho- 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 I don't know how you say this guy's name. He plays Frank. Uh, he's also in uh, The Gunfighter and The Tall T, and he's really terrific as the sort of... He's like, the, he's like an underling of the main gang leader, but he's like unsure if he actually wants to do what the gang leader wants him to do, which is like kill the woman and kill Randolph Scott. And there's like a little bit of a, some drama there. I don't know. It's definitely worth the 73 minutes that it takes to watch it. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. So also some really good, like violence in this movie, like more violent than the other, uh, renowned Westerns. Mm. There's an Indian who takes an arrow to the back of the neck. (laughs) It's, pretty intense and then one of the one of the one of the characters is shot with an arrow and like he drowns in the in the river it's pretty killer check it out oh and there's a great scene where randall scott is like having to fight off an indian attack and he his horse gets shot and he pulls the saddle off the horse and uses the saddle to knock another like he waits the guy the indian rides by on his horse and then he knocks him off of his horse with the saddle (laughs) just like cool shit like that i'm into that you know (laughs) He's thinking on his feet, yeah. you know. Check it out. Anyway. Check it that's, out. That's Comanche Station. Cool. Kevin? So, I rewatched the first two Mission Impossible movies. I've got the next four sitting in front of my TV, and I'll get to them hopefully soon. Uh, first one, I think, really holds up. Like, De Palma... De Palma did great on this movie. Like, you know, I think it has a better balance of spy and action than I see in a lot of spy movies. And, you know, cast is cast is great. Uh, all all the stuff, you know, it, it's yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible Two, not so much. I no. Yeah, I know, right? Uh like I I remembered I remembered it not really being memorable. Uh but uh like yeah, like the 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 villains are so like frankly bad and uh 
like especially towards the end you get a lot of like you know what we really need some matrix type stuff in this movie like you know Cruz like he grows he grows his hair out to like shoulder length like Keanu and like got the mm. black jacket and the sunglasses on the motorcycle and it's just like yeah we get it we saw the matrix as well um so yeah hoping the rest of them will be uh will be better experiences starting with 4 they I will. have a, oh okay <laughs> I have you know the beginning of Mission Impossible 2 where he's like rock climbing yeah. and then gets the uh, the call yeah so before I rewatched this movie, you know, a few years ago, whenever the the last Mission Impossible came out, um, I had conflated two two scenes kind of from this era. Mm-hmm. I thought that the movie started with like him, like having to cut, like like there being a rock climbing problem. They're like on a string. He had to like cut someone to let them die. Um, turns out that scene that I had misremembered uh, starred Chris O'Donnell. And it's from Vertical Limit. <laughs> Whoa. It all comes back. I, I had mixed back. up the intro of, of Vertical back. Limit and Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> um, Chris O'Donnell has to let his dad die. It's very sad. Wow. That's like Cliffhanger. It's like the beginning of Cliffhanger. Yeah. Or Ace Ventura when <laughs> yeah. nature calls. I would, right. Lots I've, of, never, yeah. I've never seen Cliffhanger, but I have to imagine that Vertical Limit and Cliffhanger are the same exact movie. No, 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 no. Cliffhanger but is Cliffhanger is probably much better. Yeah, Cliffhanger is wonderful. <laughs> it's a great action yeah. film. You know, um, Doug Ray Scott is the villain in mm. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. And he was the original Wolverine. Did you guys know that? Have I talked about that on the show? I feel like I have. He was cast as Wolverine. Wow. Um, oh, you have talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then he got replaced by Hugh Jackman because mm. he wanted to do this movie. Mission Impossible. He got he fucked himself over there. For what sure, a fucking disaster. He did. He did. Yeah. Although who knows? You know, he could have been an X Men. It could have been like a total failure because he sucked. You know, I mean, X Men yeah. was a success yeah. because of Hugh Jackman. Yeah, so. yeah. That is definitely true. Um. All right, Jr. Yeah. Um. I'll do. I'll do some quick hits. Make this my last turn. I watched uh, Love and Basketball for the first time. Watched it because it. You know, is about to be released by the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. and uh, it's on HBO Max. So I was like, "Let's let's do it." It's uh, it's good. Oh, Omar Epps and uh, Sana or Sanai Lathan. Actually, don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, I just I thought they were great as this um, very like two ambitious people with legitimate hopes of like basketball stardom. Um, the basketball stuff is good their relationship dynamic as these kind of two people with like very like hardcore sometimes like selfish individual goals like trying to work out a relationship i thought was really interesting um and i like the way the movie uh gives us like the arc of their young basketball careers i liked a lot um and i also watched hunt for red october which we had already mentioned, but I thought Hunt for Red October was really fun. The submarine stuff was all really cool. I was like legitimately confused the whole time about Alec Baldwin's character, like why he needed to be there. And he's just, he's just like the only guy that has studied uh, Sean Connery's um, defecting Russian submarine captain for some reason. But the, the machinations to like, 
get him on the the submarine and stuff are just ridiculous to me. But uh, for for like a movie that is mostly military people guys just like arguing about things, I thought it was really good. Better or worse than Crimson Tide? Have I seen Crimson Tide? Oh, I don't know. Have you? Not? <laughs> I might not be much of a submarine guy. Yeah, I know you haven't seen Black Sea. Mm. That's on my uh or K19. Ooh, Ooh, that one's not good. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> have you seen D- Dust Boot? I have seen that. Yeah. Another film referenced on Frasier. Sorry, <laughs> constantly going back to Frasier. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Last last thing I have. I just want to mention Panic in Needle, in Needle Park. It's uh, part of that massive New York Stories Criterion Collection thing mm-hmm. uh, right now. Uh, and I, I hope to watch a few more movies in that. And this is something that I've been meaning to watch forever, had on my computer forever, and was very excited to see it uh, on a streaming service. Um, and, you know, this is, this is a movie about um, junkies. The panic in Needle Park is like uh, when there's not enough drugs around and people start freaking out. And as um, the kind of the cop in the movie describes, it's like when the, the junkies are like turning on each other and like ratting people out, hoping to curry like favors with the cops. It's that stuff was, was fine. Um, but the depiction of drug use was heavy and. Um, Al Pacino as the kind of, like, he's like a a low level drug dealer who's also a user. He is really good, uh, but the movie's not about him. It's about um, his new girlfriend Kitty Wynn, and she's also good. But I just I feel like she's underwritten as the kind of protagonist who you know it's like she has the arc. You know she's not a drug user. We meet her after she's kind of like trying to get out of a family situation she's just had. Um, an illegal and unsafe abortion. Uh, so she's like in the hospital with uh, some bleeding and, and problems related to that. Jesus and fuck. yeah, 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 it's 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 heavy. But like, you know, she just like meets Pacino, and Pacino clearly is like he's a charismatic guy, but he clearly like like he does not hide the drug use and stuff, and she's wary of it, but she just stays and. It just it feels like a cheat that they constantly just have her stay, uh, even though like she's clearly insecure um, in her life. But like I just, I, what he puts her through is insane, uh, and it, it I found unbelievable. Like she's like not using drugs. He's freaking out because he can't get heroin, and he like is like, hey, um, let's have you just kind of like sleep with a few people. Uh, so we can get some money for 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 dope, and not a lot of pushback on her whoring herself out literally for uh, for that. And it's just like that's the beginning of like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Uh, but like, I'm I'm doing some nitpicks. It's it's a good movie. When you love Sorry. someone, you know, yeah, you do whatever just, they want. <laughs> just kidding. I think it's uh, yeah. terrible. Uh, no, I I mean I think it's kind of it. And again, like she's got these insecurities. She does. Like she, she's sort of she's sort of homeless once she like leaves her boyfriend and, and family, um, and she mentions like she thinks of Pacino as stable, even though he's just so clearly not. It's just it's weird. 
Yeah, this is one of the ones I definitely added to my Criterion watch list uh, on the channel when it was added. A lot of good ones in that, or things I want to see really bad in that New York stories. Uh, yeah, there's a uh, collection. there's an Alan an Alan Arkin directed movie. Yeah, that I want to watch uh, Little Murders. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I added that too. Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, and speaking of that collection, I watched Downtown Eighty One, which is a uh, a film starring Jean Michel Basquiat. I added this as well. Bit of a connection to our previous episode. And this movie is not at all what I thought it was. I thought this movie was a documentary about Jean-Michel Basquiat in 1981, New York. But it's not. It's a fictional film uh, in which Jean-Michel Basquiat plays a fictionalized version of himself. And uh, this is made before he was famous. Like, he was homeless during the making of this movie, mm. if Wikipedia is to be believed. And um, he actually apparently used the money that they paid him for this movie to buy, like, a studio space and uh, art supplies and things like this. And uh, so the movie uh, that we watched last week, Bosca, totally doesn't mention this film at all. And I, mm. I, I guess it sort of makes sense because apparently they made this film in 81 and then the director lost it. He lost the original wow. <laughs> prints of it in Italy until the year like 1998, and then they found them, and they had to re-record all the dialogue uh, with sometimes different actors, like in Boscat's case, because he was dead because right. they lost the soundtrack. And uh, they released it in 2000 in some festival. I don't remember which one. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I guess it was like mildly well-received. It's more like an oddity at that point, I suppose. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. I mean, it's just very like a like a very gritty. Like you, I mean, you're looking at New York in 1981. It's like really fucking like downtrodden and gross, mm. and there's trash everywhere, and like broken down buildings everywhere, and it is not glamorous at all. And uh, Basquiat is sort of just like walking around town, meeting people, talking to people about different things uh doing his artwork everywhere including like he goes to this lady's house and he just starts looking through her books and she opens up the books and he grabs a sharpie and just starts drawing shit in the books and uh <laughs> i was thinking to myself I was like where is that book at like i wonder if the director has that book that he did that in like that's probably worth millions of dollars now he probably lost but, um it. yeah no shit there's a lot of really good um music in this like a lot of no wave bands in this movie uh the plastics and DNA, and uh, a couple of others, and there are like full musical performances. And apparently, like this movie was sort of conceived of as uh, a way to show these musical performances, and the the the, the Basquiat stuff sort of just connects them mm. into like a sort of semblance of a story. But I don't know. I just really I was very entertained by it. It's very short, and um, like it says, it's seventy two minutes. It's really more like sixty eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's really, it's definitely worth a poke. I, I, I liked it a lot. I was just I had a blast with it. And Debbie Harry is in it for like a second. And Debbie Mazar is in it. And Vincent Gallo. And they're just like very, very young. Mm. And, and John Lurie is apparently in it. I didn't see him in it though, mm. but he's apparently in it. But I don't know. He might be playing music in one of the scenes. But I don't know. Check out Downtown 81. I actually heard about this movie through um, a show on HBO called The Betty, or called Betty about the skateboarding ladies mm. from the director yeah, yeah. of Skate Kitchen. 
And uh, there's a character in the first season who talks about this movie. And uh, that's where I first heard of it. But, yeah, now that it's on Criterion Channel, there's no excuse. Get on mm. it. And I guess I sh- I'll just jump into it real quick. I mean, I watched Cry Macho. It, I wouldn't talk about it, but it's new. So it feels like, you know, I didn't. I don't want to have watched it and not talk about it because it's not good. Um, this is Clint Eastwood's latest... Uh, he's 91 now, uh, and he's just like, uh, he's just so old. It's just, he needs to stop. I don't know what he's doing. He's playing, I don't know what age he's supposed to be playing in this movie. Like, this movie takes place in 1980, and the opening scene, which is probably the worst scene of the film, <laughs> where uh, where Dwight Yoakam lays out his entire history you know yeah you were a great rodeo rider and then you had an accident and then you got into pills and then you started drinking and i'm just thinking to myself like when did this happen like 1919 like he's (laughs) he's 90 in 1980 like i like when was all this and i'm thinking to myself dwight yoakam is like 30 years younger than him like how (laughs) acting like they're buddies like they've known each other their whole lives like, he's old enough to be Dwight Yoakam's grandfather. I, I, it just makes no sense to me. And uh, I guess he's playing younger than he actually is, but they don't ever say his age. And I mean, yeah, I, I would guess that he's late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, he like, doesn't the look that way. He looks 91. No, no, no. no. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he absolutely looks and acts 90. Yeah. yeah. He's got a real, like, Frankenstein shuffle thing mm-hmm. that he likes to do, and... uh he barely can move, and it's and when he's on the horse, it's just like, you know, it's it's really bad. I don't know. It's just like obviously not him. Um, the talk, actor I'll, who I'll plays right his uh, yeah, no problem. The actor who plays his son is almost as bad, I think, as the uh, Gran Torino Wait, his, kid. His son? No, not the his, son. his son. The, the son. son. Sorry, Rafo. Yeah, yeah, almost as bad as the Gran Torino kid. Well, you know, I I read no, I listened to something that that kind of gave a good reason why like these kids are so bad hmm. in his movies. You know, it's like he does the what they call basically like the the one take and then lunch. You know, right? Like he just right. he just moves so quickly, and it seems like you know when he has good actors, like they can do that. Like they can get they can embody the character enough to get it done quickly. But for like these kids that he's hired in a few of his, you know, late late pieces, um, it's like they they don't have the training for that, and it just comes off just so bad. Yeah, it's yeah the Gran Torino kid is awful, and and this kid like, you know, it, it's kind of like a like a God bless him, he's trying, uh, <laughs> kind of performance, uh, but it's it's rough, it's, especially like when he has to to do kind of like the the offended. Or angry. Emoting. Oh yeah, and all that shit's like, so contrived too. Like when he becomes upset at whatever this guy's name is, Mike. When he becomes yeah. upset at Eastwood, it's just like I, it makes Mike. no sense. I'm just like, why? Like this, the, no person would react this way. Yeah, it's it feels gross. I mean, it, you know, a lot of it feels like uh, Marta, the woman that yeah. they end up uh, <sighs> kind of staying with in, in Mexico, is like, you know. She's probably like in her sixties, and of course right. she's in love with ninety-year-old Clint Eastwood. Um, but would we even say what this is about? Dwight Yoakam sends him to Mexico to collect his son, and like Dwight Yoakam is introduced as a piece of shit. He like we all know that he's a piece of shit, so we know like he doesn't actually want his son there. 
and like the the reasons that he wants his son up in Texas are just like so stupid. Uh, well, I mean, even the scene when he asks Eastwood to go to Mexico, like, who, what person in their right mind would would do this for Dwight? Yoke? Like, Dwight Yoke gives him no information. He's just well, like, my son's in Mexico. Go get him. <laughs> like, what? Apparently, apparently, Clint just owes Dwight Yoakam. As as Dwight Yoakam says, you owe me. You owe me. He fired him. Like, he fires him in the scene before that. Why would he do anything for this guy? That's I was I wondering understand. if like, there was, the like, a this? radical... I, I was wondering if I missed, you know, like, when he walks into the office, like, of Dwight Yoakam mm-hmm. to go to show up to work, and Dwight Yoakam was just drinking his coffee, and it's like, it's 10.30, you're late. What's well, like? Yeah, we can see by your body posture that that he's fucking late. We know. Um, and thanks for giving us both the time and that he's late. <laughs> um, but I was wondering, like the very next scene where Dwight Yoga shows up at his house after he's been fired, and like, you know, go clean out your locker. Um, I was like, did I miss a title card? Have like two years passed? It was a year, like, one year, one year later. It was your one year later. Yeah. Okay, I, I did legitimately miss that because it said 17, 1979, and then it was like one year later after. So okay. he'd been fired for a year, okay. but it's just like, well, I don't like none of it makes any. I'm sure all that's oh, like really but, fleshed out in the novel. Dwight, you know, <laughs> I mean, Dwight Yoakam did say like that he was still basically paying for Clint Eastwood's like rent. I mean, he, he should said, like I, I I keep you up here. I put you up here. I, I, that also makes no sense too. It's like Dwight Yoakam's like, you know what? Who's the best man to send down to Mexico to get my kid? This ninety-year-old yeah. that I that I pay his rent. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if you got enough money to pay this guy's rent, hire a real person to go. Well, down and, there. Ho- and hold on, hold on, don't. Um... So I, as we said before we recorded, I have six minutes left. <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't get I couldn't get through a four star recording. So don't oh, I'm not going to say end. what happened. No, no, don't no, I wouldn't spoil. say what happens, but. So like, uh, does it turn I mean, you, you out know that like, what Dwight Yoakam actually wants his son of dead, and he figures like he can just get Clint Eastwood no. killed too? No, no, no. no he, it's, oh. not, it's not that dark. It's not quite it's as not nefarious as all that. He just he doesn't really care about his son as much as he claims. Uh, no, you know, he, he's got he's got like a scheme. Yeah. basically. it's a money thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This movie is a, a piece of shit, and I, I you know, I, I think Eastwood is. I, honestly, I was, I've, I said it uh, on on Facebook Film Forum. I replied to somebody asking about this movie, and I, I think the best thing I can say about it is that the direction is like not bad. Like I, th- I thought some of the directorial choices were okay. Like some of his handheld stuff that he does, like whenever, like, uh, whenever they're chasing the rooster, and like the cameras are sort of on the ground, ch- like. I mean, that's not like revolutionary, and I've seen it in other movies, but you know, I think that that's sort of a more like uh i mean it's an exciting way to shoot it and it's a it's a way to get around having to shoot you know having him to actually have to chase the rooster since he can't move you know and uh i i think uh i, I don't know I, I don't think the direction's horrible i think it doesn't look very good the movie and um uh, the acting's yeah. bad and the writing's bad yeah but, you know this is with, with every movie being like with every clint eastwood directed movie being more likely to be his final movie mm-hmm. it's like damn like could we have just stopped with the mule like i know the mule I, would have been a pretty solid capper or even like with grant like and i don't like grant serino really but like like every movie that he makes feels like his final movie because it because they all involve like what it means to be a man even when you're old and like what it means to kind of um do good with mm-hmm. the the end of your wasted life. He seems to really like that uh, idea. 
Um, He's been doing like, it for 30 years now, you know? Well, yeah, 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 and they just, like, every movie feels like a capstone. So, like, Clint, maybe release one movie next year and try to make it a little bit better than this and then just stop. He... He's also like extremely prolific. Like, I mean, not so much yeah. acting anymore, obviously, but like the he's directing like three movies in the last four years. Like, he's working a lot. Yeah, I think uh, was Mule three years ago, and then Richard Mule, Jewell's last and then year. he did he did Sully, and he did uh, 15, 19, no. All these well, movies in the last four or five years. And no, I mean, no, no. So, well, yeah, I mean, Sully's twenty fifteen, and Sully, Sully's not twenty fifteen. I think that you might find that it is. It's twenty sixteen. Yeah, fucking eat it. And it's probably late uh, 2016. It's probably December 2016 because they thought it was going to be an Oscar. Richard I think Jewell. it was actually September. But yeah, yeah. So Richard Jewell was either last December or the year before, mm. right? Yeah, it was, ni- well, 19, 2019. Okay. Richard Jewell. 15, uh, 19 was an 18. Bad. That was bad. Yeah, I mean, he's just, I'm saying he's working quite a bit. It's, it's, mm. he needs to relax. I, I still want to see he Bird. He doesn't and he won't. Yeah, I've never seen Bird either. I really want to. Uh, it's, it's like two and a half hours long. But anyway, yeah, um, not worth your time. Cry macho. Avoid at all costs, I'd say. I hate yeah. it. But, um, you know, Kevin? Uh, JR, do you want to talk about uh, A Time for Drunken Horses? Oh, sorry. I didn't get around to watching A Time for Drunken Horses. I wanted to watch it yesterday. Okay, here's what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was going to go see the card counter at the theater. I was wondering why you hadn't done that I yet. know. I wanted to go see it yesterday and then uh, ended up going to dinner with Jonathan and Rustin and some other people. And so didn't have time because I also had to watch Straight Time after dinner. And then I was by the time straight time was over, it was 11 o'clock, and I was like, you know, I could watch A Time for Drunken Horses, or I could play No Man's Sky for two hours and then go to bed. So I played No Man's Sky for three hours, <laughs> <laughs> and I just grinded the shit out of it. I collected so much Parfinium and Platinum and Gold and just sold that shit. I'm, so, I'm doing so well in that game. <laughs> then I went right to bed. <laughs> I'm on six hours sleep right now, man. I went to bed at two a.m. So, I mean, same. Yeah. But I tried to get Cry Macho in, <laughs> uh, which was not a valuable. Hey, use you know what? Me. Yeah, I think I did better playing No Man's Sky than you did watching Cry Macho. So, man, we <laughs> we fucking blow at this. <laughs> um, uh, I will watch it. Right. T- a time for drunken horses, though. I mean, it's short enough. I'll watch it at school probably. Yeah. But what did you guys think of it? I mean, what did I, I didn't Kevin think of it? You've seen <laughs> it, though. What did Kevin think of it? Uh, I was bored. It's an oh. inter- it's it's an interesting <laughs> enough it's an Sorry. interesting enough story, but like you know, it just kind of goes, and next next thing you know, you're at the end, and it's like, oh, all right, Bummer, yeah. Man. You know, what I what I was thinking uh, was I did consider. Uh, rewatching this, but I was like looking at it and I have no memory of giving it the rating I gave it. And I was like, I wonder if this was like a really polite three star rating that I gave it as in I was bored out of my mind, but respected some element of it and was just like, eh, it's, it's not bad, but I'm bored. This is That's not felt making like me want to it. watch this. <laughs> okay. So 
I, well, you don't you don't get to play the results. I know it sucks. I should have watched it before. Wait, Fuck. so <laughs> I know I lost last time. Who else lost last time? I lost. Oh, okay. I was supposed to watch it. I didn't get yeah, around sorry. to watching it. Yeah. I was not supposed okay. to watch this. Okay. Yeah, and, he's and seen so it I before. Didn't. Man, what a bummer, man. Um, I, I I'll still watch it. I don't care. I mean, like I say, it's a it's Iranian, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen an Iranian film, so I, I want to see it. Um, might as well start with yeah. something that's not great. You know? I, I don't know. I, I'd probably be more interested to watch something that happened like before the revolution, where oh yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah. all of a sudden an extremely conservative government cracked down on the country. Right. So. You just watch Argo, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did, and that was a. Pretty sure I gave that one a three. Or, I like Argo. Know, per- okay. Persepolis covers that transition. Mm. Oh, there, yeah, there you go. Persepolis. Yeah. I, I read the comic. Um, of yeah. course you did. It's good. <laughs> Was it not book number 180 of this year? Or? No, I, I read it back in like 2015 <laughs> or something. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. You watch, you read a lot of books. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to Straight Time, our deep dive uh, from 1978, directed by Ulu Grossbard. Starring Dusty Hoffman, Teresa Russell, and uh, Harry Dean Stanton, M. Emmett Walsh, Kathy Bates, Gary Busey, Jake Busey, Sandy Barron. Lots of lots of people in this. Eddie Bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a uh, a criminal, a career criminal, who's been in jail for burglary for six years, and he gets out and he tries to go straight. You know, like the classic, just wants to be a, a member of society wants to get a job wants to live in his own place but he's got this parole officer earl frank on his back oh. played by M. Emmett walsh uh who's just a real asshole and uh not trusting at all oh. does not want to give him much leeway to do the things that he wants to do and uh Finally, Hoffman has to make a decision, and that decision is to jump back into a life of crime, which he has very little resistance to. Mm. Um, and along the way, he meets a young Teresa Russell, just a stunning, stunningly beautiful woman, and uh, begins dating her. Mm. So what did you guys think of uh, Straight Time? I have a question do it is in your in your guys's opinion is there a better guy to play just the just the worst kind of fucking asshole there imaginable is there a better person to play him than m emmett walsh he is just so good at being extraordinarily unlikable like like i really got like suckered in like like hoffman walks into the office and like you know, like, uh, you, you see that he's the parole officer, and he's, like, at first, like, really, you know, like, really nice and congenial, so I was like, oh, well, maybe th- maybe this is a step out of uh, Walsh's comfort zone, but then, like, immediately, it's like, you know, you know, you were supposed to do this, you didn't, I didn't get yeah. it, oh, you left a <laughs> message, I impression. didn't get it, it's not bad, yeah. <laughs> That's not bad at all. <laughs> That's pretty good. No, uh, yeah, he's a he was like he was born to play a role like absolutely. this. I absolutely. Mean, yes. uh, he's a huge dick. I mean, he plays a huge dick in most things. Yeah, like even in Frasier. So. 
Yeah, and Frazier, he's a huge dick. He was in an episode of Home Improvement. He played Jill's father. He was a huge wow, dick in that. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh and he's an asshole in uh in uh Blood Simple. Yes. Uh yeah, yeah this is just yeah, a Blade Runner. He he's just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um I know I, I don't think they're I think he's perfectly cast. Yeah. Uh in this as that character. Yeah. Outside of Emmett Walsh, though, what did you guys think of Straight Time? I mean, I think the uh, I think these first forty five minutes, um, which are the only minutes of the movie devoted to Straight mm-hmm. Time, like Dustin Hoffman trying to to go and be straight, um, I think they're like mm. pretty special. I uh, I was a huge fan of all the parole stuff. I'm a huge fan of. Dustin Hoffman's performance during um, this this section of the movie, where it's like clear he is stifling frustrations, he is putting on a mask to force himself to uh, to weather kind of the, the bullshit, especially that uh, that Earl Frank is throwing at him. Like he tries so hard, and um, you know, when when he gets sent back to jail by Walsh on some bullshit. Um, which is another thing I'm very fascinated by. Like uh, the parole system in general is designed to uh, to fuck you. And like you know, these people are still paying their debt to society by doing parole, right? Um, but the parole system has all kinds of bullshit in it that is basically designed to keep you from holding down a job uh, and send you back to jail at the earliest possible convenience. Uh, and that's what we get. Uh, and you just see like the life drain out of Dustin Hoffman as he goes back, uh, into the County jail. Um, you know, when Teresa Russell comes to, to like talk to him and, you know, his responses to her, like talking through like the, the glass separated phone thing. It's just like, he, he can muster up so little, uh, and like he, he looks away from her. He won't look her in the eye. It was, mm. yeah, it, I like that. So good. Um, yeah. And, yeah, all all of that that is all all my favorite stuff in the movie. Which is not to say that I did not like the movie after he, you know, finally gets sprung by Walsh and um, Walsh is trying to get him to rat out Gary Busey, who, you know, fixed in his little uh, studio room apartment thing, but um, and then freaks out on Walsh. Um, I like the movie after that. It just was a very different movie and probably a more conventional like crime movie. Um, mm. but yeah, so yeah, loved, love that beginning, love Dustin Hoffman in the beginning, love Walsh. Uh, I enjoy Teresa Russell, even though she doesn't have like a ton to do, but, and I liked, uh, Gary Busey and like Kathy Bates in her first film role as well. A slim Kathy Bates. Yeah. Hadn't seen that before. And Jake yeah. Busey as the, this, as Gary's was, son. I mean, it makes sense as the first, like the earliest I've seen Kathy Bates is like her first real film role. I I had probably mm-hmm. technically seen. Yeah. I know Teresa Russell was in the Last Tycoon in a small role, and I've seen that, but I don't have any memory of her in that. Mm. I like the scene uh, between Gary Busey and his son, where I he did, gets mad I didn't mean at him, yeah. I didn't and then mean. he's like, and he's yeah, he's trying to apologize, and I, I, that's all really good. Yeah. Stuff. it's completely sort of. Uh, like you would think you'd like a like a like a different director would jettison that sort of thing. Mm. Like we don't need to know anything about this character. Like yeah. he's just some guy who's friends with you yeah. know. But like it's interesting that we get a little bit of 
insight into who Gary Busey is. Uh, and uh, I, I like this movie a lot. I liked um, I liked it a lot more than the first time I watched it. The first time I watched this movie, I was probably like 20. And um, I don't even know why. I think I watched it because of Eddie Bunker, because I liked uh, Animal Factory, which is based on a book he wrote too, I mm. think. Or maybe he wrote the screenplay for it. But um, I was a big fan of Animal Factory, and I, and I saw it out straight time, and I, I watched it, and it wasn't what I expected it to be. I was expecting it to be more like um, – <laughs> I remember specifically thinking, like, it's not violent enough. Like, I don't get enough blood squibs, oh, and, like, the bank robberies didn't go wrong, and they didn't have to shoot up the place, you know, things like that, which is what I was into at the time. And uh, this is more – watching it now, it's like this is very much like uh, – uh, way more elegant than than all of that, you know, would have been, and uh, I really appreciate. Like, it's, even this, like the scene when he, when he after the 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 robbery sort of goes wrong and he seeks out, he goes to Gary Busey's house and confronts him. Like that's a, it's a very tense scene mm. and it's very like, you you sort of know what's going to happen and then when it happens, like the way that it's shot, I like how it's just Hoffman's face the whole time. Like you don't see anything, you know. I, I, I thought that was really well done. Um I agree with you that the uh the part of it where he's going straight, his acting is uh phenomenal and very like subtle and real. And I love the county jail sequence where he gets arrested and goes to county jail all the stuff where they ask him to empty his pockets and all that stuff and they de-louse yeah. them and all, like all that's great like i could watch a whole movie of that we like, get, that's we get wonderful. a nice little um nice little snippet of, of hoffman's dick in that scene you know <laughs> <laughs> you paused it okay? <laughs> no but yeah I, I mean i i really enjoyed all that i love the scene when when she comes when Teresa russell comes to visit him mm. in jail and he's like his just his reaction is so Again, this is very unusual. Like, you, it doesn't seem like something that you would see in a movie about a convict talking to his girlfriend through the glass. It wouldn't. He wouldn't be so sort of like reserved, and it, it almost seems like there's like just so many emotions going on. Like he seems it, embarrassed mm. that she's there. He seems like angry about his situation. It he doesn't so, want to tell her anything. It's just yeah. So like, defeated. It's just, like he is. Yeah. He is yeah. Exactly. He, yeah. He can't answer her questions because he hasn't been charged with anything. Uh, he's literally just, he just mm-hmm. so like he, he has in that moment, it's like a, a man without hope and a man that like knows he's lost in the system. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like beaten down so much that he's not even really mad about it anymore. He's just like, he's beyond, he's beyond yeah. it. Like he's just, I don't know what to do. And it's, yeah, I really yeah. love that. And, uh, I agree. M. Emmett Walsh is a huge dick and it really works well. And I think that if the movie ever sort of gets out of the realm of, reality really far it's when he handcuffs him and pulls down his pants on the freeway right. <laughs> i didn't i don't mind that exactly i like the everything leading up to until he pulls his pants down i'm, I'm like i was way into it i was like this is really out of control like this guy's like hitting him and shit and screaming at him and i believe it because he's like we say he's been beaten down so mm. much and now it's like he's just had enough but uh, yeah that's him <laughs> pulling down his pants <laughs> maybe a maybe a, a bridge too far mm. there but uh, one other thing yeah. I loved about the uh, the scene where she comes to see him in the jail, like like pretty much every other scene like that, you know, there's usually like, you know, somebody will like either hang up in, you know, frustration or anger or it'll be like, time's up. 
come on, move along, yeah. move along. But it, but exactly. in this one, like, just the audio cuts out. And, like, you know, you can see, like, like just the frustration on his face and her face, too. It's like, that was, I thought, a really unique choice. And I like that a lot. Yeah, it's way different than other scenes. Like, I think, when I think of scenes like that that are through the glass, you know, in other movies, like... Uh, Midnight Express <laughs> yeah. or something, or or even like the movie Blow, where he like hits the glass with the phone. Which I I, I like all of those choices too, but the, they're just so much more dramatic. Like this is way more like simple and uh, almost more effective because of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I loved uh, Harry Dean Stanton in this. Fantastic. All of his lines when he's making the robbery, when he's screaming at the people, "Are you in love with me? Stop looking at me, motherfucker!" Yeah. <laughs> like that shit's great. Uh, I love the, the just like the little like minor procedural elements like when they saw the they take the not saw off the shotgun but they take the shotgun butt off and they put the the other handle on it yeah. you know and they're like planning the heist out it's they're they're so like sort of incompetent at at, at being criminals yeah. but you know a lot have, of it works sorry like when he just, they each have sorry. like an addiction like for Harry to say it's just like the action like you know when we meet him mm-hmm. he just like has to get back into the action. Um, yeah. Dustin Hoffman just like has to take every last thing that he can and, and actually I thought this was kind of lame like uh, just from the first time that he like won't leave a crime scene on time you just you know how that's going to mm. end but uh, and I just right I, I didn't love that but I, but I do like they they all have something that makes them really bad at this job and for sure yeah I like I, I do love the scene though when he steals the shotgun oh, yeah, yeah. how he breaks through the cool. wall yeah. of the pawn shop like and that every, shit's really every good every crime is staged just like awesomely i like yeah. You know, yeah i don't love how hoffman ends every crime but i uh but i i love the way they, they no work. i agree yeah and i think it's yeah i mean it's obviously like it makes sense though that he has trouble leaving or that he has some kind of problem committing these crimes because you know he's been caught so many times mm. like you see at the end of the film his different mug shots like he spent his whole life in yeah. jail like he's not a good criminal yeah <laughs> like this, he sucks yeah. this fast, but, but this is all he knows that, that part was fascinating i mean just like that aspect of the movie is fascinating as sort of a uh, a real life um origin story for mr blue which is kind of what this is i guess yeah right um, sure i mean it's based on his experience mm. so I read in the trivia, though, that apparently in the book, like the first part of the book is in the prison in Folsom and that uh, the the character has a yeah. has a boyfriend and that he's like running the show in there. And it's meant to show you like how powerful he is in prison, but then he loses it all when he gets mm. out. I read that Hoffman really wanted that, that in the screenplay. Yeah. But, and also right. I read a lot about how Hoffman was originally going to direct this himself, but then decided he did not mm-hmm. want to have both of those jobs. But that's fascinating that Hoffman was uh it feels like Hoffman was very much like uh not like the author or auteur or whatever but was instrumental in getting this made it seemed like this was a passion mm. project for him absolutely for sure it feels like um the post-production of it sounds a lot like American History X where he sort of like the actor sort of wants wants full control of a thing even though he didn't direct it and he takes it and re-edits it and you know it's apparently caused a rift between him and uh, Grossbart, mm. but 
Uh, I do. The only thing that I really have a huge issue with in the movie that I do not like at all is the opening and closing theme. Yeah, which I hate. Those those two things, like, like as soon as it started the movie, I was like, "Yep, oh, I know I'm watching a '70s movie." <laughs> yeah, yeah, very '70s. Yeah. I mean, the, the the whole movie is very sad. Like the way he's dressed is extremely like dated. Yeah. Like, I mean, I which is fine. You know, they don't love, they don't know that at the time. I love it's his fine, look, but I love his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get? Do you guys watch? I think you should leave. Uh, on Netflix. No. Uh, no. The, uh, there's a, a good I've shirts bit, and I wish I could remember the name of like the <laughs> the shitty like shirt brand that these people are so obsessed with. But like his Hoffman <laughs> shirts were giving me uh, I think you should leave vibes. Um, oh. But it, it, I love the mustache too. I, just, I loved loved the look. I love the mustache. I like I like his look. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind that they're dressed in like 70s clothing. I mean, it's a movie. It's from the yeah, 70s, yeah. you know. But it's like that theme. Uh, especially uh especially at the end really i mean like i hated it at the beginning and i was really nervous that like it was going to be recurring throughout the entire film but i thought the other uh bits of score were actually appropriate and okay Mm. and then when it comes back at the end it's it's like it completely undermines the tone of the film at the end of the movie like it's just completely ridiculous you know yeah there's a bit of like full circle-ness with that like not you know that he's necessarily Mm. gotten caught again right there but that you know we are now on the run. We're fully back in the life of crime. Uh, and this will end with him being in jail or dead. Um, that's the only way that I can justify bringing that theme back, even though, yes, it sucks and is bad. I would say that yeah. the film should have ended with him dead or back in jail. I think, it, yeah, I think the ending to is... To is uh, so he couldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how the book ends. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the book maybe ends with him getting away, but I, it just feel it feels like he shouldn't get away. Like he's not. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Like I feel the, like with the mug it would make shots, more sense thematically if he went back to jail. You know, I feel like with the like mug the shots end. though, it's kind of implied that like, well, like so the 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 latest mug does, shots doesn't he tell her like straight up like I want to get caught? I think he says I'm going to get caught. Does he tell her that? Okay. Oh, okay. Says, but, oh yeah, he says I'm going to yeah, get so caught. Like, I, so yeah, I was, like the the mug shots is like heavily implied that like yeah, he's going to go back to yeah. jail. For, for for sure, right. but because now they got him for robbery and for murder, attempted murder, right? The uh, the police officer was wounded. Well, no, he no, he killed. He killed. Oh yeah, right, right. yeah. But that no no one was worried about that. Like that's not something you heard on the radio. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure they like Kathy Bates would probably put two and two probably, together. Right, right. Yeah. Um. Whatever he committed he murder is no, the he, point. Yeah. I mean, he's, he becomes he's he's he becomes totally irredeemable. He is not. You know, fifteen yeah. minutes into to going back into crime, he is no longer uh, the Hoffman who is trying to be a good person. He's like not mm. a good person, and and yeah. even like the yeah. like he kind of stays acceptable within his relationship with Teresa Russell. But even at the end, where he's like bossing her around and like dragging her by the arm, like now he's he's like gotten rid of the nice persona with Russell too. Like he's he's totally off the off the charts off the rails. Mm. He's a huge piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, apparently Michael Mann did an uncredited rewrite of this or the original write of it actually. Mm. Like he wrote the script originally, um, and then Grossbart hired two other writers to rewrite his stuff. Oh, but uh, did you guys like um, the repeated line? You know, first with. Uh, Manny when Manny doesn't show up with a shotgun at the poker game 
and then with uh, Busey after Busey ditches them. Uh, he just, oh fell through. He, he, no, the uh, like the, the you were wrong. You know, like he just the way he repeats that when he's like punching Manny in the face through the car window, and then uh, the way he says that right before uh, you know his relationship with Gary Busey ends. I, I liked that line delivery each time. Ah. He yeah. said you were wrong. Yeah, you you were wrong. You know, I, don't know if I even noticed that you were wrong. Like when uh, when yeah. Harry Sinnon has to like, yeah, like, like he made a mistake. As in, like, this is your fault. You you have right. fucked up here. Um, mm. I like when he, after he hits the guy in the car, and then he's, like, pounding on the hood and pointing at him. He's like, you fucked up the score, man. You fucked up <laughs> yeah. the score. Like, I, I, yeah, his his reaction at that at that uh, poker game scene was yeah. great. Like, I really like that a lot. I mean, Hoffman is a, um, I feel like he doesn't get quite enough credit as being, like, one of the big big dogs of like 70s you know cinema Mm. like i mean am i wrong about that it feels like (laughs) i don't know i don't know if you're wrong i I feel like it's 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 like it's nicholson i mean it's nicholson it's pacino it's de niro and i feel like hoffman is the fourth guy that you don't hear enough about him i mean because hoffman has some of like the most famous like you know method stories like uh you know like the Lawrence olivier Mm. story of Running around yeah. the block, like you hear about, sort of like the the method madness of Hoffman, or at least I feel like I, I have heard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I don't, I don't know. Like maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but I don't know that um, I don't know that Hoffman has like he doesn't have like a you know like Chinatown and uh, taxi driver. Well. Yeah, he doesn't have a taxi driver. He doesn't have a shining. Uh, he I doesn't guess that's have what a I godfather. Mean. Like he have the, um, right. He doesn't have the critical reception that the others have, it seems like. I mean, he's he's got Oscar. I guess he's got an Oscar, right? For Oh, yeah, for yeah, Rain yeah. Man. But, like, he's one. not. Wow. I think so. Yeah. I, to look yeah. I mean, I, I love Dustin Hoffman. It's, it's Yeah, it's, I mean. It's he, strange to me that he's not sort of. Uh, I feel like I don't. I don't know. Maybe he is. Well, I maybe, just feel like I don't hear about it, him in the same maybe it's discussions like, um, as. You know, he he doesn't play like full on psychos the way that those other three that you mentioned have done, and, and like yeah, he's in a ton of iconic movies. But maybe his like and, and he's great in almost all of them. But maybe it's like he's not the iconic performance in those movies that you know, can spark the kind of mm. fandom that uh, the psychos he, do. Right. He also won for Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, okay. But yeah. And I mean, he's, he's really good. It feels, yeah, it just feels like the movies that he's doing, like he's working really hard to be a great actor. And like, this is one of them, I think. Mm. And this is a movie that nobody, you know, has seen and nobody talks about. Right. And then it's like a movie like Lenny where I didn't love Lenny, but I think that he's like, you know, putting his entire, like, self has all of his talent into that into that performance and i feel like that that's not really a movie anybody talks about that much Mm. as opposed to say when you talk about the nero you can you could talk about 15 movies where they're huge huge movies everybody knows them and he's fucking amazing in all of them yeah i I, sorry has hoffman worked with like the any of the new hollywood guys like he's not like he's not in like a Scorsese or a Coppola or I mean, he's a De Palma. He, film, he's worked he? with Spielberg, but not in the the moment well, where it mattered. Yes, this is true too. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Mike Nichols. Yeah. Sort of well, I think my, Mike Nichols sort of, for sure doesn't get the credit that he deserves as a director. Like, he's not consistently um, name-dropped with, you know, like, Scorsese no, or, yeah, sure. you know, whoever. Hey, he worked with, uh, he worked with Elaine May. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he, Sam, Mishtar. <laughs> Sam Peckinpah, Arthur Hiller. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, he, he worked with yeah. Titans, but I mean, maybe not, like, that kind of big four or five that uh, are, yeah, yeah. are at the top of that, you know, mountain of 70s cinema. But right. also, like, think of... Like all the presidents, men and Kramer versus Kramer, and uh, the Graduate and Midnight Cowboy. Like again, like these are all like movies that are considered like absolute classics. Um, but it's yeah. just mm-hmm. the type of movie that it is. It, you know, it's either like the serious drama type deal or just something. You know, it's it's not a Scorsese thing. It's not a Coppola yeah. type movie. Yeah. I really want to rewatch American Buffalo. It's been a long he time. He didn't win an Oscar for Tootsie. No, he's nominated, but he didn't win. He only won for Kramer versus yeah. Kramer and Rain mm. Man. And I think Rain Man is not great, and I don't think he's very good in it, to be honest. But well, it's at a time yeah. when you play that kind of role. You I mean, really I think he's great so. in all kinds. Like, I think he's great in uh, Papillon. I think he's great in Straw Dogs. I think he's very uh, good in Papillon, yeah, yeah and Strata. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And he's good. I mean, he's just a great actor. He's, yeah, uh, and like you know, obviously, Marathon Man and Midnight Cowboy. Like, yeah, I think I think really though, I think that that's the key. I think that he doesn't play those roles where he has those moments where he's you know screaming and freaking yeah, out. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can I can think of those in Nicholson performances and in Pacino performances and yeah, uh, and yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I don't think of with Hoffman. He never gets that. Uh, uh, sort of uh, demonstrative yeah i mean like once like one scene in marathon man like no tell me Mm -hmm. when they're coming you know but uh but yeah other than that like yeah his it's weird to say that his movies are usually like quiet dramas but like yeah yeah, i feel it feels like that's that's relative relative or or animated family yeah yeah that's quiet quiet serious dramas relative to the big things that uh, Scorsese and Coppola were doing specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as, as we've established, you know, like acting is yelling. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. of course, if you look, watch TikTok, all act, all good acting is white men. Well, yelling. And ex- <laughs> shit, I mean, what do you want? He won an Oscar for yelling in, in Kramer vs. Kramer. So they worked. Oh, there you go. Finally started there yelling. Yeah. It worked. He won. That's, a uh, proven <sighs> strategy. Yep. Hey, you know what, Jr. You should watch uh, if you ever get back on Lumet. Check oh, out Family. Oh, Business. I will get back on He's Lumet. Good that too. I still got Find Me Guilty. <laughs> I've got um, I got Prince of the City on my computer right That's now. That's a good one too. That's not a actually. Good one. Is Prince <laughs> of the City on the uh, the New York Stories? A Criterion? I think it might be. I think it might be. Because uh, I I want to say I saw it on there and I was like oh I wish I had waited to just watch it here instead of paying mm. for it and that one that one's like fucking but long um too. yeah it's like almost three hours uh no okay. it's not actually on there I don't know why I thought hmm. that I thought that too um so anyways uh, I guess ratings for straight time four I'm I'm also going four I'm a I'm a three and a half the uh just the drop off from first part to second part was just too much. I have to, I can't award it the four. Damn. <laughs> Damn. 
really thought I had mm. you there. Man, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's a five, uh, <laughs> and I would like to um, – I just now thought of this. I would like uh, this to be recorded or noted in whatever journal we keep. Um, mm. I went hard on my praise for the performance of Dustin Hoffman. Oh, that's right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> He's not a performance yeah. guy, JR. He doesn't <laughs> – that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that that's. Uh, I'll put that in the. I'll put that in the notes for the uh, on okay, the list great. that I'm keeping. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Uh. Let's do a little letterboxed mm. roulette. Boom boom boom. Uh, boom. The movie is Straight Time. The actors are Dustin Hoffman, Teresa Russell, Gary Busey, Harry Dean Stanton, M. Emmett Walsh, and Rita Taggart. Who has been in a lot of stuff, so I don't think we need to no, no. dump her necessarily. All of, yeah. all of this should work right? for Kathy Bates. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let me get my dice app going here. Let's see, dice. Andrew Dice Clay. Here we go. You, you guys you ready? Andrew this dice is Clay it. App? That's not good. Six. Oh man, it, how, how does it always go to the same mm. number? I feel like it's always six, isn't it? There's always six or one. Mm. Do you want to roll again? All right, I guess we're using. I mean, I don't, I'm not making that decision. I know how many Rita Taggart films I've seen. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how many Rita Taggart films I've seen. It's not a lot mm. for me, um, but Rita Taggart is the one. So All let's right. do it. <laughs> and I feel like Jr. and I, Jr. is going to win because he's seen China Syndrome. <laughs> I have seen China Haven't Syndrome. You? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so we're done. We're yep. done. Uh, my number is three. I've seen Mulholland Drive, Straight Time, and Coming Home. My number is also three, because I've seen Mulholland Drive, 1941, and Straight Time. I've never seen 1941. Yeah. JR, what's your number? Six, five or six? because I've also seen Limbo and 1941 and The China Syndrome. Fuck. All right, well, kind of a... Kind of a downer, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so the number is, let's see, 3571. Uh, I don't know why it's a downer. Three, You're like, what, what homework five. am I going to not do this week? <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> I always do my homework. I miss I one time. What? Kevin never watches the movie he's supposed to watch. You never no, well, I crap. didn't give him crap last time because I was the one who didn't watch the movie. Uh, All right. 20, 2301 uh, is the number. Uh, Kevin did for this. Kevin, you watched. You uh, did your homework this time. So don't let him talk to you like that. I did it the last three times. <laughs> oh, no, you did. Excuse you. <laughs> Sorry. Don't let me talk to you like that either. Once. Twenty-three oh one. Oh, I'm on it. Don't no spoilers. On. I'm, just, I'm kidding. It's on page twenty-four. Oh, okay. This is hold on. Good. Hold on. What oh, because I think. I, yeah, I literally just I, watched. I mean, this. not that I'm watching it, but yeah, it's it's Foxcatcher. It's Foxcatcher. Oh, um, and I'm not anxious to rewatch it right now. So let's go again. We're all vetoing that one. All right, number is uh, twenty nine fifty eight. Page thirty. Let's do it. Twenty nine fifty eight is. Chocolat. This this is I the good chocolate. Right. Oh, this is. Oh, I see. Yeah. This is a Claire Denny film. This is Correct. not the Johnny which I Depp. which oh, I believe okay. is Lassie Halstrom. Your, who's not your favorite person right now. Ooh. 
Yeah. Oof. No, this is this is early yeah, Claire it's, Denis. It's, I am totally in. I will. Watch. It's on the channel. Okay. It's on the Criterion channel. Nice. And you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. So we'll be watching Shakala. Uh, Kevin and I will be for next time. And uh, starring Isaac De Bunkali. I like yeah. that guy. Uh, Jim Jarmusch yeah. movies. Um, and uh, it's uh, JR's pick next time. JR has told us his pick, but go ahead and lay it on the audience, JR. Uh, yeah, I don't. I guess. You know, we kind of watched like a neo noir, so I guess I shouldn't have doubled up on this, but we're watching a. Carol Reed's 1947 uh, noir film starring James Mason, uh, Odd Man Out. Um, nice. An old, an old fave of mine. Hmm. Carol Reed, who did uh, The Third Man. Odd Man and, Out. Yeah, many other things. Yeah. Right. Which we also. Didn't we review The Third Man? We were going to. I think we unofficially reviewed it, but like your friend was supposed to. Like that was going to be his guest pick. Oh. And then we all just ended up watching it. Yeah. Because, like, that was right when the pandemic was. That was right before lockdown happened. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So we'll be watching uh, Odd Man Out, which is my my number 41 criterion challenge. So I'm going to try to power through some criterions before it. And then uh, also be watching Chocolat. And uh, until next time, visit our website, filmyakpodcast.com. Write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and all those other places where you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening so much. Have a great day. I said, I'm straight. I said, I'm straight. Listen to the bell grows hard and tolls for thee. <laughs>